The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This episode of the Stardom Cast is sponsored by Puro TV your one-stop shop for all your Puro DVD needs. From Stardom to New Japan, from All Japan to Ice Ribbon, as well as incredible box sets documenting the best matches of your favorite Japanese wrestling icons, Puro TV has it covered with new items added every week. And now, as a special gift to listeners of the Stardom cast, Puro TV are offering 10% off. Simply go to puro-tv.com Use the promo code STARDOMCAST at checkout and get 10% off your entire order. Once again, that's the code STARDOMCAST to receive 10% off your entire order. The link to their website is in the podcast description. And now, on with the episode. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly. Get ready for the latest episode of the STARDOMCAST. And welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom. I'm your host, Rob Gunn, and I'm joined as ever by Matt Turner. Matt, how are you good, sir? Mr. Rob Gunn, always a pleasure talking to you. I'm fantastic. How's everything with you? I know you're about week number two and a job number two. Do they do they still like you over there, or what's going on? Well, they keep bringing me back so i assume that uh, either they like me or they're just sort of humoring me until they can get rid of me um i'm hoping it's the former but who knows at this point they were very very uh, accommodating when i had to go and get some dental work done yesterday so that's that been the height of excitement for my week this week is uh, having holes drilled into my teeth well that sounds uh Sounds fantastic, but maybe it's a little bit of column A, a little bit from column B, buddy. Maybe uh, it's a little bit of both of those. So maybe they, uh, <laughs> and maybe they're just being nice. Who knows? <laughs> they are, they are all lovely. In fairness to them, they're uh, they're very patient and uh, they yeah, very very kind. How about you? How's your week been over there in the states? Well, to be honest, this week we uh, start off on a little bit of a downer. Uh, very, very early Monday morning, uh, poor Lily, her dog passed away. So it was, oh. it was tough. Yeah, it's the dog that. Uh, so she and I probably mentioned on the show before to you, kind of just in texting. But most of the weekends uh, for the past twelve years, she spends over her mom's, and she had this dog for about the past four or five years, and the dog always, you know, stays in the room with her when she's there. When Lily is not there, she's you know she sleeps on the she sleeps on Lily's bed, just waiting for her. Whenever Lily gets into the house, she's eagerly waiting at the door, waiting for her. So 
her mom sent me a text message around three o'clock on Monday morning saying, you know, Hey, let Lily know buttons passed away. So I got about an hour earlier, went to the gym, which literally, I mean, I don't even remember what I did at the gym. It was, it was an absolute garbage workout. Cause I was just thinking, how am I going to tell this poor kid that her dog passed away? So I was like, well, may as well leave and kind of just, you know, rip the bandaid off. And it just, it was one of the hardest things in my 40 years on this planet I had to do is to tell her that her dog passed away. It was just instant, instant heartbreak. So I just, Felt really bad for her, but uh, I guess it just goes to show you, my friend. That's why we gotta, you know, treat every every day as a gift, my friend. You know, that's why I live the life that I live and try to be as positive as possible, because uh, you know, every minute, every hour, every day we get as a gift. So that was a little, you know, it was it was tough, a little a little tough, but uh, really looking forward to the show this week, and uh, and I'm back into the ring this weekend. So on a on a positive spin, there's some really cool things coming up at the end of the week. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing, isn't it? The bond you build with an animal. Um, like, I know that loads of, when I was teaching loads of kids, like we'd watch a film or something and we'd, we did a unit on gothic horror and they weren't bothered at all if a human died in this film or got mutilated or got attacked. But the moment there was even a semblance of the animal being harmed, they were in bits. They could not handle it. And it's weird, isn't it? Like, we have such a beautiful bond with animals and uh, God knows what I'm going to be like when Fred and George pass away. I am going to be an absolute bit. Um, I think I'm going to have to take a convert from the podcast just just to recover because, uh, yeah, they they bring a lot of joy. So my heart does go out to Lily because I, uh, I can perfectly understand how she's... Uh, how she's feeling right now. Um, but in-ring return, I, I thought you'd already had a match at this point, Matt. Oh, and I have. I'm just saying I'm back in the oh, ring. Right. Back okay. from the previous. Yeah, yeah, that's all. <laughs> I did see the graphic for this, actually. It looks very, very cool, whoever's done it. What promotion is this for? This is, it used to be Backbaker's Entertainment, but the old promoter sold, not old, he's actually younger than me. He sold everything off to uh, this other guy. They used to, used to do jobs for like the, road warriors and the bushwhackers in the 90s so you always hear like these horror stories this guy just getting his ass kicked this guy's like six four 300 pounds but anywho um i forget what the name of it and i really this is terrible i just really should know the name of this promotion because i'm gonna plug it at the end of the show so i'll def i'll have to i have to look it up but it's the same venue it's it's pretty much uh the same license that uh that was run by backbreakers entertainment it's the place in mayfield pennsylvania which i know when i wrestled there a few weeks ago there were some of our listeners saying they don't they don't live too far away from there and they were contemplating going so if anybody is going to go by all means uh stop at my merchandise table and uh i will definitely give you a free stardom cast sticker as the uh i have a whole bunch of the julia ones and uh the um uh, the the Kyrie ones just came in and then the stardom freedom ones actually i think should be in today so um yeah, I'll plug it at the end of the show, but it's basically back at the Falcon's Nest in Mayfield, Pennsylvania. And they do have a full bar. So that, you know, hey, that that doesn't hurt either. I mean, any place with a full bar is a good place in my eyes. Um, I mean, free bar, I'm there. I'm there. And you'll find this out when uh, when we do eventually meet in person, Matt. Um, I'm, exci- I'm, exci- I'm excited for it, considering the fact that I think I owe you 10 beers on these crazy side bets that I have. So uh... <laughs> I feel like you do load them against yourself. Like, I feel like yeah. you are one of those people that deliberately loads it. So they're like, ah, couldn't get them apart. I feel like you're a person who enjoys giving. Yeah, just like, and I have personal friends of mine that listen to the podcast, and they're, they're probably literally laughing and shaking their heads. Because when you go to a bar with me, I walk in to the bar, and I literally take my credit card, and I'm like, Gambit from the X-Men. I just fire it, like, at the bartender. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll tell you a quick story, and then we can get into the podcast. It was some. It was a. It was either Memorial Day or Fourth of July holiday. It was one of the American holidays we have over here, where Amber and I it was almost on like a last second whim. We drove the hour for me to go back home to where my parents are, 
they took us out for dinner and then I'm like, yeah, we'll go to the bar that we always go to and I'll forge Dooley's. And I text a couple of my friends. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be in just for the night. Why don't we come in and have a drink? Well, all of a sudden they text a couple of their friends and it becomes this whole brouhaha. And all, like, there's like 10 of us from my friends from high school that show up at this bar, literally like this last minute, I'm like, yeah, tabs open, tabs open, tabs open. So now usually now the bars in, in Pennsylvania, last call is two o'clock, 2 a.m. is last call. A lot of the bars will do last call around like one thirty, quarter to just so they can clean up and get out of there at halfway decent time. So we fully know once like the old squad's back together, Rob, that like we're going to be closing this thing down. <laughs> well, the bartender comes up to my wife and she goes, are you Amber? She's like, yeah, how do you know? He goes, I've known your husband a very long time. I just want to let you know his bar tab right now is at $250. Do do you want to close this out? And she's like, absolutely. Put a $60 tip in. Give me his card back. I will sign for it. Now, again, Rob, we usually close the bar 1.30, 2 o'clock. This was 9.30. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) This was 9.30. She comes, my wife, not, she understands I'm having a good time, so she didn't want to, you know, get the heat on her. And she was like, I know you're having a good time. Here's your card. Your bar tab was over $250. I gave the girls a $60 tip to split between them. Uh, you're done. She's like, you can have a water and that's it. But you're, you're done. <laughs> you're coming home. And I was like, no problem. And she never, that was the end of it. I'm like, I'm going to be in so much trouble tomorrow. And she didn't say anything. She's like, yeah, he's having a good time. But the bartender was smart enough to be like, yeah, I've seen your husband in here before. <laughs> Before he was married, he's going to probably get this thing up to double what it is. So, and again, I have personal friends of mine that are shaking their heads. Like, yeah, yeah, I was there for that one. So, uh, <laughs> so that's what you have to look forward to, good sir, when, uh, when me and you finally have the stardom cast uh, meet and greet. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you mentioned the fact that it was at 9.30 because all of the bars <laughs> around where I live, because I'm, I'm outside of like any big cities, really. I'm not far away from the nearest one, but... Uh, yeah, you can't get there without driving. And all of the bars around me call last orders at 11, half 11, and then midnight over the weekend. So uh, while you were talking about some people doing last orders at two, I've never felt less cool than when I'm finishing off my beer at quarter to 11 because it's last orders. So uh, I'm glad you get your business done nice and early, Matt, so that we can <laughs> so that we can get home and go to bed at a decent time. <laughs> So you can get up and watch him start him. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Um, speaking of stardom, Matt, what is coming up on the Patreon this week? Uh, this past week, we we released Momo Watanabe's 2021 five-star uh, run. Absolutely had a ball doing that. So that is up on the Patreon. This past Monday, I did alternate commentary to Momo Watanabe versus Mayu Iwatani, say that five times fast, <laughs> from the 2018 five-star Grand Prix. And as I mentioned last week and when I started off doing that episode, it's probably the only Mayu versus Momo match, singles match, I've never seen. And to my shock, Rob, the match was fantastic. Who would have thought Mayu versus Momo would have had a fantastic match? But uh, those are the two uh, up on the Patreon coming up later at the end of the month. Momo's 2018 uh, Cinderella win. Uh, we're going to be going and reviewing that. And then uh, this upcoming Monday, myself and you, good sir, will be doing alternate commentary to a match that you chose. Momo Watanabe and Yutami Hayashista taking on the Tokyo Cyber Squad duo of Jungle, Kiona, and Kunami. And I believe that match, correct me if I'm wrong, is that for the goddess belts? It is indeed. It is indeed one of the highest rated stardom matches on Cage Match. 
Ooh, I, I'm trying to think if I, because I was thinking about this morning. It's like, I wonder if I've seen that match before. And I'm excited that it is uh, one of the highest rated matches on Cage Match, considering the fact that there's been two or three decent starter matches uh, in the 12-year uh, history from the company. So I'm excited to watch that one and call you call that one of my friends. Obviously, you know, huge fan of Momo and Utami, especially uh, Queen's Quest Momo, as I'm sure everybody knows. I like Queen's Quest just a little bit. Obviously, huge fan of Konami and Jungle Kiona, I think, is probably the most underrated wrestler in the history of stardom. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, coming up next month in April is going to be insane April. And next week, uh, Rob and myself will be giving the four matches that we're going to be doing for the alternate commentary. So uh, I told Rob he's got a week to uh, figure out. He, I'll pick two matches and he'll pick two matches. So uh, I told him he's got a week to pick the, the two matches. Now, Rob, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a certain match I'm definitely going to pick. So don't pick it. It's a certain tag match. I rant and rave <laughs> all the time on this podcast. Yes, I, yeah, and, I know. <laughs> and, and for you playing along at home or like not sure what I'm talking about, it's, I'm not going to give it away 100%, but it's Kyrie teaming with a person. Her name rhymes with Bako Matamoro, and they take on the the greatest female tag team of all time. The uh, name of the tag team rhymes with Blunder Block. So uh, figure that out on your own. So I'm just letting you know I am 110% picking that match. And uh, But, yeah, next week we'll unveil the uh, the four matches that we'll be doing for Insane April. And also sometime we've been talking about it for a few weeks. We just need to find the time. Rob and I will be doing a little mini bonus episode talking about the new Patreon that will be dropping in May. I know Rob, my, uh, Rob texted me a whole bunch of uh, – images that he made up and schedules and everything and um super we pretty much have it all narrowed down pretty much all nailed down of what we're going to do in may and uh, to say that i'm excited about it is an understatement i know rob you're really pumped for it and even some of our patreon listeners were they already want to subscribe to the ten dollar tier and i'm like i'm not 100 percent sure what it is it doesn't start till may appreciate it but like you know we'll we'll let, we'll let you know when you when you uh, can subscribe so this it's just awesome all the great stuff that we're doing on the patreon and the artem cast and all the support we get it really still just on a daily bait we literally text on a daily basis like how much this podcast has grown just kind of it's almost like a fever dream really just blows my mind yeah absolutely the the support we get is incredible you know that anyone that listens or anyone that subscribes or anyone on the discord or anyone who buys merchandise you're you're all fantastic and uh again I, th I think i say this either at the end of every podcast or during every podcast where i get a little bit real with you guys when i uh want to say it truly is humbling that anyone listens to us talk about stardom and uh comes back basically it's uh it's it's a beautiful thing so thank you very very much to all of you um we have got lots and lots of things coming in the next you know two three months especially as we are now smack dab in the middle of march and me and matt were just saying before we came on air we can't believe how quickly this year is going already um but obviously within insane april with the cinderella tournament and i'm going to talk a little bit about mine and matt's bracketology episode which is coming up next week um i've also so got all the brackets done. Um, thank you, Stardom, for releasing a wonky bracket with 36 people because do you know how hard it is, Matt, to do a bracket that is, like, symmetrical with 36 bloody people? Bloody impossible. Um, I do not say that. That's why I left it up to you. And uh, I, I, I thank you yesterday. I'll thank you today. I'll thank you tomorrow. And I'll thank you next week <laughs> because I have no idea 
how to do any of that, sir. And you are a genius a gentleman and a scholar, sir. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Because other than uh, drawing on a piece of paper and taking a picture and was like, all right, everybody, who do you got? You know, I don't know how to do it with stick figures, you know? <laughs> no <Yeah>. clue. <laughs> no, I, honestly, it was possibly the most frustrating thing I've ever done, um, especially as some people have round two matches, some people don't, some people win one match and then go through to the quarterfinals. It was it was a time, um, let's just say it that way. But it's done now. They will be up um, at the latest over the weekend, I've just got to sort out a couple of things. At the moment, it's an Excel doc- document. I just need to work out how we're going to sort of collate responses and things like that. Um, but that'll go up. And then obviously, we've got our Patreon competition, which we'll talk a little bit about on next week's episode as well, um, where I believe, Matt, you have prizes that people can win. Yeah, real quick, the prizes will be if the overall winner, if you just get the overall winner right, you get a Stardom Cast sticker and an autographed business card from me. If you get the two finalists right and the final winner, you'll get the, what I just mentioned, and you'll get to pick any T-shirt off our uh, off our merchandise page, or you can get one of Rob's books that have been released or one of his 84 books that will be released in the next 12 months. <laughs> uh, if you get the uh, four people in the semifinals, the two people in the uh, finals and the overall winner, right, you get everything I just mentioned, and you'll get a small uh, sketch of your favorite stardom wrestler from uh, my favorite daughter, Lily, which is my only daughter. But uh, you got to put on a pedestal, Rob. You got to add value. So uh, if you are a Patreon member, you are automatically in. And uh, if you're not a Patreon member and you're thinking about becoming a Patreon member or you have a good idea who you think is going to win the Cinderella tournament, any tier gets you in. So you can just do it uh, just for a dollar. And plus as well, I feel like anyone that enters early and gets anything correct when we still don't know who two of the competitors are that are going to be taking play, taking part in this tournament. Um, they, and- did, they, did, they did mention one at the show, I believe on Sunday. I know it's not up yet, but they did mention it. Oh, well. It was uh, the YouTuber, Fua Chan. Oh, is she going to be in the Cinderella? Yeah, she's going to be in the Cinderella. And I'm gonna my I, I'm assuming she's X, since we're talking about what the heck. I'm assuming she's X. And I'm thinking XX is going to be announced after Waka wins her match at New Blood Premium, and she joins DX, and they change the 1X <laughs> to D, so it's going to be Waka DX. So there's my there's my far-out prediction. for Now I have, a, I have a, even a crazier prediction later on, but uh, that's, that's crazy prediction number one for this show. I do love the idea of, I believe it's Lady C. No, oh, is, is it Hina? Hina's taking on one X, and I think Lady C is taking on double X. And uh, I've just got this lovely video, a uh, lovely image in my head of uh, sort of the lights going down. Everyone's sort of going like, oh, who's coming out? Who's coming out? Break it down! Whether that happens or not, obviously, you'll have to wait and see. Though uh, I must admit, Steve did make me laugh on our Patreon where he said, uh, where's Saya Kamatani when you need her? She had one job in reference to her lack of ability to keep a secret. So that really did tickle me. Really did tickle me, Steve. Um, We've got some news then coming up out of the world of stardom this week. So first of all, obviously last week we had our review of the best ever Triangle Derby tournament um, and the final of that tournament um, on the 4th of March. Um, And we've had some really good feedback for that episode. And obviously we went a long time and we can only apologize to those of you that didn't enjoy listening to us for two and a half hours but dave Meltzer 
has released his star ratings for that show. Um, and they are as follows. The tournament final between God's Eye and Prominence received four stars. The Julia and Mai Yukihi uh, double countout got a four and a half stars. Azumi and Starlight Kid for the High Speed Championship got four and three quarter stars. And then Sayakamatani and Hazuki got four and three quarter stars as well. Um, now, I know there'll be some people who are like, oh, well, why? how come it didn't get five stars? I can't believe that that didn't get four and a half. I'm, I'm, my personal rating is that the Hazuki and Sayakamatani match was five stars. But for the sake of a quarter star, I'm not quibbling. And, you know, we say it all the time wrestling one of the beautiful things about wrestling is that it is subjective something that i like matt might not like even though matt likes everything um you know we all like different things and uh the fact that two of those matches have been rated as highly as they have is excellent and it's everything about this is more exposure for stardom and i feel like that is more important than the rating of any singular match matt yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, we talk about it here almost uh, anytime there's a pay-per-view and Dave watches the top four or five matches, you can say what you want to about him, but he is the, uh, you know, I mean, he's the most respected journalist in the history of pro wrestling. And again, I, I've said this at least a hundred times on this podcast. I'll say it a hundred more. Terry Funk said he's the greatest worker of all time because he's been able to feed himself and his family for 30 plus years without taking a bump. Again, who are we to argue with Terry Funk? So, uh, yeah, the fact that, I mean, you look at, uh, I think me and you, a lot of those ratings were pretty close on on what we gave. I Obviously, I had Hazuki and Sayakamitani breaking the star rating. But I think if Dave, and obviously he know he's just crazy, crazy busy. I think if he would have watched, like, the matches leading up to the, the, the Hazuki-Sayakamitani match and uh, the five-star match and all the interweaving little storylines that just added so much to that match, he would have given it five stars. I think he just kind of just watched the match just in a bubble. Uh, but the fact you have two four and three fourth stars match, and then you have a four and a half star match, um, I mean, those are some really, really darn good ratings. Uh, and then the final was uh, he had it at four stars, which I think uh, me and you were like around four, four and a quarter. So when you have four matches at four stars plus, that you know, rated by the most respected journalist in the history of pro wrestling, and it's his, he created the star rating wasn't anybody else it's his star rating so yeah again more and more not only exposure but positive exposure for the uh, wrestling company that we enjoy all so much here mr rob goodwin absolutely and again you look at that run of last four matches four and three quarter stars four and three quarter stars four and a half stars four stars that is an excellent closing four matches and we said it while we were reviewing it it's one of the best sort of run of final matches in a pay-per-view that stardom have ever done. Um, and again, I think you're absolutely right. It's pro- possibly one of the drawbacks of watching as much wrestling as an analyst such as Dave Meltzer does. The fact that due to the sheer volume of wrestling and MMA that he covers, he's not going to be able to watch all of the con- the contextual matches leading up to every single match. It's just, it's not feasible. It's not possible. There's too much wrestling in the world. There's only 24 hours in a day. But the fact that that match was able to glean four and three quarters without any sort of context, I think stands as just how good this match was. The same for um, Azumi and Starlight Kids, which just um, on that 
on that note, he did give this one a higher rating than their match at the Cinderella Journey in Nagaoka last year. So it's worth noting that he did believe this was better. I think we both agreed that even though the Cinderella Journey in Nagaoka match was fantastic, a blinding match, I preferred this one just, but it literally depends on the day. I could prefer the 2022 one one day. I could prefer the 2023 one the very next day. It depends. But yes, anyway, Meltzer has covered stardom and he has given those ratings for the matches. We'd love to hear what you think about those ratings, whether you think that they're fair, whether you think that Dave has he's had a nightmare, you know, whatever you think. I'd love to hear uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, real quick before that, you said the next thing, Rob, I just want to interject. You just said that, you know, Dave Meltzer is so busy. He's not watching every single stardom show. But I know two handsome gentlemen that are. That's me and you. And we'll cover it every week here on the Stardom Cast. So, Dave, if you're listening, um, which 100% he isn't, but Dave, if you're out there and listening, um, you know, if you, if you want to listen, that's absolutely fine. We'll we'll give you the scoops. We'll give you that context. That's absolutely fine. Um, so, a couple of good things coming out of Japan. Weirdly, coming from the Dragon Gate um, English Twitter account, um, government policies um, have made mask wearing optional. So uh, before, whilst we have cheering now in certain venues for certain shows, uh, mask wearing was still enforced. Whereas now, from what I'm led to believe, and I could be getting this wrong if I am, please let me know. But from what I'm led to believe, mask wearing will be made optional. Um, The Dragon Gate tweet, um, which is a really good Twitter account to follow, even though I don't watch as much Dragon Gate as I'd like to, um, says this, with recent government policies making mask wearing optional, the same policy will be applied to Dragon Gate live events beginning on the 18th of the 3rd in Wakayama. We would appreciate it if our guests be mindful of those around them and still consider wearing masks while engaging in loud cheering, but it will not be compulsory and the final decision is up to you. Um, When you couple this with the announcement that for Mayu Iwatani's return show in Yamaguchi, they have announced that there's going to be a one-off return of streamers for Mayu's match. Things are slowly but surely, you know, the the bringing in of of cheering crowds again for certain shows, as I mentioned earlier. I mean, we're going to talk about it today at that Corican show. I felt, even though it wasn't as big a Corican attendance as Stardom has been pulling in recently, the crowd was absolutely electric for absolutely everything. Um, I just, it feels slowly but surely that the wrestling landscape is getting back to normal after the global pandemic. And good God, does it feel good to start saying that? I mean, first cheering crowds, now masks are, you know, they, they aren't compulsory. You haven't got to wear them. And now streamers are coming back, making a one-time appearance, admittedly. But, you know, start with little baby steps. But it does feel like, Matt, slowly but surely, we're starting to see far more light at the end of the tunnel than we were. Yeah, it's been a long, rough three years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just we've had the cheering crowds kind of teased to be a little bit with other Japanese wrestling companies like, you know, New Japan with the, with the bigger dome shows and Noah with the Yokohama shows. And then we finally got it. 
about five six weeks ago uh, at the uh, at, you know the Nagoya show, um, the uh, the Supreme fight, and that just seemed like these Corican shows. I think this was the second or third were cheering, and just because it's a smaller venue and the acoustics are better, it's like you can just even when you when you go back and watch the Steinem shows from 15, 16, 17, 18 in the first half of, and two thousand nineteen, it's just like those crowds are so into those Corican shows, and we, it just seems like since the cheering has been back in stardom those cork and shows just it just makes it so so much better and i know that they did and we're going to talk about it in a moment they did just under a thousand but like if you listen to that crowd it feels like it's a sold out show i mean it really really does but now with the mask thing being optional and uh mayu is going to be getting streamers thrown at her um you know i know you said it's a one-time thing but hopefully it's something that gets such a reaction that that uh star i'm just like you know what just let them throw the streamers every show like it's just something that adds value so much to professional wrestling uh i'm a huge fan of the streamers um you know when i first saw it in uh, in all japan in the 90s and when they started doing that ring of honor and it even you know me wrestling as long as i have whenever i get streamers thrown at me it's just a huge huge like oh man that's so cool because it's just like the japanese culture so uh yeah it's gonna be exciting it's gonna be exciting when they throw streamers at mayu and just to see if she flips in the streamers or not so uh a whole bunch <laughs> of really cool stuff to uh to watch out for but yeah a lot of thumbs up a lot of stuff in the positive for pro wrestling moving forward. Absolutely. Everything's trending upwards, isn't it? And, um, you know, you say starts with one streamer, every avalanche starts with a pebble, doesn't it? So uh, we're getting there, people. We're getting there. Um, Himika has extended the retirement road. Um, It's been announced that she wants to work with Pro Wrestling Wave, um, which, unfortunately, I am not well-versed in at all so unfortunately i won't be able to give you lots and lots of insight into the promotion or anything like that i'm sure there are far better analysts and critics who will be able to do that but uh, it, it's not me unfortunately however the we are starting twitter account has announced that himika wanted to work with pro wrestling wave and the only opportunity to do that was april 28th five days after her retirement match versus micah she asked micah what she thought and Micah told her to do everything that her heart desires. Um, so her official retirement match reta- re- um, remains sorry, the 23rd of April at the Yokohama Arena against Micah. However, on the 28th of April, there is going to be a special spin-off match at a show called Jumbo Forever Wave and Bushi Road Fight, and that's going to be from Shinjuku face obviously the more news we get about that and the more news we get about the match that um, Himika is going to be a part of Um, obviously she did tease something with the golden generation of stardom whether that's something that they bring into that show I don't know but obviously as soon as we know something we will tell you on here but it's something to look forward to and it's it's just one more chance to see the jumbo princess in the ring Matt. Yeah, and if you're not going to say it, I'm going to say it. In the spirit of KG Muto. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Stop 3,825 on the Jumbo Princess retirement road. And I'll say this. I mean, she did say when she was uh, announced her retirement, like, hey, I'm going to retire. It's going to be on this date. And then they're going to, you know, on the the Yokohama show and at Cork and Hall, I believe in May, they're going to give her, you know, the kind of a final send off. And she did say, she's like, I'm not going to half ass it. And, uh, 
boy, we're watching these Himika matches. Boy, she's not. And they're giving her some really awesome matches. And by no means is uh, is she going she's going out on her shield. There's no doubt about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. Let's look at the positive in this as much as we, I mean, nobody wants to see her go. At the same time, you know, she's leaving on her own terms. And uh, yeah, she's just kind of getting like a bonus almost a bonus add-on and i like the fact that she asked micah like hey i promise you my last match what do you think and of course micah was going to say yes but there's something that tells me that micah was like you know what i really would like to have this last match with you i think himica has so much respect for micah that she would have turned down the pro wrestling wave thing obviously nobody thought that she would say no but that just shows you just how close the two of those are and uh, how excited i am for that match in yokohama for the two of them just to you know beat the bejesus out of each other it's going to be pretty special that match on an emotional level, but also obviously on a uh, on a physical level as well. I mean, um, I was going to say I don't understand what the uh, I don't really understand Himika's uh, relationship with Pro Wrestling Wave. I know she's wrestled there, and I've just done a very very quick bit of research, and she's wrestled she wrestled there in 2018, 2019, and then a handful of matches in 2020 as well. So obviously she's got roots there. That's you know it's her retirement road. She can take it where she goes. I do. I, from a purely selfish standpoint, I would have loved that final match to be against a stablemate. But ultimately, like I said, this is this is her road. So uh, let's just let's just enjoy it for what it is. I'm sure that this show is going to be fantastic, whatever match Himika is a part of. Um, and Matt, you uh, you've already mentioned the name, so we might as well talk about it here. The YouTuber Fua will be competing at Yokohama Arena, and as you've just told me, she's going to be competing in the Cinderella tournament as well. Now, a couple of good things, one bad thing that comes out of this. Okay, let's start with the good things. Okay, the good things, Fua is a big celebrity on YouTube. She's bound to draw more eyes towards stardom. The bad thing, for me anyway, and I imagine quite a lot of people who tried to watch the Corican show on uh, Stardom World, um, her being on the show led to so much of that show being cut to the point where one of the matches just isn't on Stardom World, um, which is ridiculous. But there we are. Um, Matt, how are you feeling about Fua competing at Yokohama? Um, How are you feeling about her taking part in the Cinderella tournament against either Hina or Lady C, depending on whether she's X or double X? What are your general thoughts about this? I didn't know anything because of her that they had to take something off on Stardom World. So that's a that's a thumbs down, a bummer. But let's swing it to the positive side because that's what we do. Uh, she looked really, really good in that one match that she had. And again, she's a big celebrity in uh, in Japan. So that's going to put a lot of eyes on the Stardom product for the, her matches, match or matches in the Cinderella tournament. I did not know she was competing at the Yokohama show. That's very smart. Another reason to pack, uh, you know, pack that building and have more people watching Stardom. I guess very similar to the vein of having like a Logan Paul on these big shows who uh, has only wrestled a handful of matches in WWE. And he's very, very talented. He's going to be at WrestleMania wrestling one of the best wrestlers on the roster, Seth Rollins. So it's just, it's very, you know, you get somebody that's got talent, that's got a name to him, and then has athleticism and is going to bring outside eyeballs to the product that you're trying to grow it can only just be positive things and uh, stardom has such a loaded roster and the booking uh, is really, really smart that they're not going to be putting her hair in the ring with anybody that, that she's going to have a stinker with. No, absolutely not. And the, the good thing about the Cinderella tournament is the matches are short. 
So, you know, the natural length of a Cinderella match doesn't need to be anything over. I mean, we've had we've had matches go 17 seconds before, though I don't I don't really perceive this match going 17 seconds. But, you know, I feel like the positives are only going to outweigh any sort of negatives. And uh, the gripes I have mainly to do with the Corrigan show are not to do with Fuller. So, yeah, we'll move on anyway. Um I think that her being at the Yokohama show is good. And whether she's in a singles match, whether she is in a tag match with maybe Hazuki. Um, obviously, I know she's been training with Hazuki. Or whether they do some manner of stardom rumble again. Um, and she's part of that. I imagine if you've got if you've got a talent like that who can bring eyes in, I feel like it would be a waste to put her in some sort of pre-show rumble. As I imagine the pre-show, as quite a lot of stardom pay-per-views are now, the pre-show is on YouTube. Do you feel like she has to be on the main card? Or do you feel like, you know, we've got her on the show, doesn't matter, just throw her in this in this rumble, Matt? Um, I guess you can do either or, but I think, I mean, I, I think they should do a Stardom Rumble just to get everybody on the roster as a thank you for your, all of your hard work, whether you've been here six months or six years, uh, I think they should do. And those Rumbles can be kind of fun, especially, if, you, you know, if we get some legends back in, if we get a Yoko Bito or a Yuzuki Ayakawa, I will pop huge. Um, but I mean, maybe if they put her in like a match where it's like Hana and Hina and Lady C and her versus like Saida, Momo Kogo and like, you know, maybe somebody else. And they give it like six or seven minutes and maybe you finally give Saeed a big win on this big show or something like that. I think you don't eat either or. I don't think that there's really any really wrong answer as long as you put her uh, put her in a good light. But I can I can see the YouTube thing because obviously it would be free and there's, you know, it's e- YouTube is easier to access than uh, some of these pay-per-view things, which it's literally once the, 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 uh, the buy for the pay-per-view comes up 48 hours for, I have to... Put my user, click on the link. Put my username, password in. Make sure that the you know pay for it. Hit the translate thing. Make sure I'm I got the English. I mean, it's a it's a pain to get these pay per views. It's just it's a good thing these pay per views are so damn good. But uh, yeah, it'd be a lot easier to go on YouTube. But uh, I think either or. I mean, I know that's a kind of a cop out answer, but uh, I can see it kind of going uh, kind of going either way. But I think uh, you're gonna pigeonhole me an answer. I think she's gonna have an actual match, like either a six person or, or an eight person match. She seems to be aligning with stars. So, uh, and the the reason that the stars versus Donna Del Mondo match got cut from Stardom World is because Fua was out there. I don't know if it's Fua or Fua, but I, I imagine whichever way I say, I'm going to say it wrong. So, um, but because she was seconding the stars team, um, and because she was apparently just merely present, um, at that match, it meant that uh, she could not be shown. So, I don't know what sort of uh what sort of weird ass contract it was but or sort of television rights deal or whatever is uh is sort of stopping that but there we are um let's go straight into this corican hall show then that we've been talking about this was back on friday the 10th of march 2023 from corican hall in tokyo in front of 904 people and my you've already said it um my first note is only a crowd of 904 tonight, though they make, the way they make their voices heard throughout would make you think it is double that inside the venue. And it's I've also just put as an additional note, it's so amazing to have cheering crowds back. And, you know, we've gone for years and years and years and years and years and just 
sort of taking that for granted, that support for granted, and I think now it's back, you just, oh my God, I miss this so much. And no disrespect to the future of Stardom Belt or the goddess of Stardom Tag Belts. The crowds were hot for belts that are fairly low down the card. There was no red belt match, no white belt match. You know, every the bigger stars were in sort of multi-woman tag matches, but they were so loud for the future of Stardom Belt, and they were molten for that main event, and for Ruaka especially, who I thought was MVP of these two shows. Um, I, I just I can't get over how much live crowds add to a match and to a show man yeah i mean it really it really adds to it It gives you that extra energy it really gives you that extra um you know sense of adrenaline and and uh realizing what you're doing is right or if they're not reacting or reacting in a negative way maybe take it a different you know a a, a different route so this way you can kind of make the bat the match and the story uh the storyline better but yeah, these crowds, it's just every Corican show. Like, I was shocked when I read the numbers, only 900 people. Um, because we, the, entrance, the entrances were cut. So sometimes, you know, you kind of have that legendary Corkin Hall entrance where you can kind of see how packed the place is. And the, the way it was shot and the way that it was, the way the crowd was, I'm like, there's got to be at least 1,100 people here. And I was like, well, as per usual, I'm wrong. So, you know, it's nothing I'm not, I'm not, not used to, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean again on a show that really just had two of the uh you know no white belt match no red belt match no azumi defending the high speed championship it's kind of just you know number one contenders match a future match a goddess match and then some really good tag matches um you know over 900 people with the volume from literally from start to finish uh just shows you there's a lot of people that are invested in stardom and i'm really excited when they run this venue on a bigger show like a five star and i'm i'm sure probably somewhere in the uh Cinderella tournament as well. They're probably running Cork and Hall like they usually do. That uh, I can I can see this number being twelve hundred, thirteen hundred, and that many people for a bigger show with bigger stakes on the line. This building is going to be rocking, rocking, and it's just it's it's exciting. It's going to be exciting. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so this this show itself was was solid, really, really good. There were some fantastic matches, as I've already mentioned. This main event. It didn't take me by surprise because I know what 7-Up are capable of. And obviously, BMI 2000 have improved massively and Ruaka teaming with Tora as part of BMI 2000 throughout the Tag League last year really improved. So I thought that was really good. The future of Stardom match was really, really good. However, and this is something that we keep circling back to when it comes to Stardom World, we had an upload with no entrances, um, with promos missing, with um, a match cut, which I understand is absolutely nothing Stardom can do about that, so I'm not having that against them. Um, Rob, to inter- interject real quick, what was what was the match that was cut? Um, the match that was cut was an eight-woman tag. Um, it was Donna Del Mondo, Julia, Micah, Tekla, and May Sakurai ever taking on the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, Sayurida, and Hannon. Oh, oh, breaks my heart. Julia, I mean, everybody in that match is great. The fact that we'd be able to see Julie and Mayu in the ring together, especially Julie with the red belt now, because we saw that reversed. Oh, man. But maybe that'll be in the lore of like the Bret Hart Tom McGee match, where eventually, maybe 15 years down the road, we'll, they'll let it out of the vault. <laughs> well, I know that the last time Phil wrestled, 
it took about two months and then it, it sort of just popped up on Stardom World. So uh, eventually we will get this uh, mid-card eight-woman tag put onto Stardom World to complete the set. But even so, frustrating. But obviously I'm not I'm not going to hold that against uh, Stardom because it's not their fault. Um, but I don't really understand what cutting the entrances does. You know, I know, especially when you've got a lot of Stardom shows to uh, to watch, a lot of people do skip them. And I will wholeheartedly put my hands up and say a lot of the time I skip the entrances. However, not in every match. And it does add to your... Like, for example, we had the retirement road match, Himika versus Natsupoi. I wanted to hear that reception for Himika. And we came into it just as they were being announced to the crowd. I don't really understand. Surely it is more effort to cut the entrance is out than it is to just leave them in. So, and again, I'm not a video editor. I don't, I know that at the moment, I believe it is still one person doing all this and I cannot begin to imagine the stress that that person is under considering they had uh, Stardom Ranch shows on the 10th, the 11th, the 12th, the 15th, the 18th. I think they've got one on the 21st um, and then they've got the two pay-per-views. And then they've got Golden Week, which, you know, is going to be absolute chaos. I mean, surely now, and, I, you know, we're flogging a dead horse somewhat, I know that, but there has to be a point where, I mean, you look at production values. Production values, in my opinion, have been upped. I think there has been a noticeable sort of upsurge in production values. The sets look great. The uh, the trons look great, the music's great, but it's just this one glaring elephant in the room is that Stardom World is, as the wrestling is moving forward, Stardom World and the way they are uploading things and having to clip things and things like that is being slowly left further and further and further behind. You know, we had the closing promo clipped in about four different places. And I, I can't really understand why. Surely that is more effort. And I, it does puzzle me how Stardom hopes to continue this growth that they've seen. Obviously, they consider themselves the second biggest promotion in Japan. You know, it is for you guys in the ether to debate whether you think that is true. But Stardom believe that that is where they sit. I don't feel they can truly claim that until they have something that, you know, is akin to a New Japan world or is akin to a Wrestle Universe. Because at the moment, Stardom World appears to be causing more problems than it's actually solving. And I know it's not expensive. I think I checked my bill, actually, and obviously I'm in Britain. It's just over a fiver. So what you're getting for your money is decent. It's just the upload schedule and the randomness of this Corican show um, really threw me for a loop, Matt. Am I just being a negative Nancy, or is this something that you noticed, or did it not affect you in the slightest? No, I mean, we talk about it all the time. It's really the one big negative. I mean, we try to be as positive as possible. Well, at the same time, we have to be critical. It's the, the biggest negative stardom it ha has had in the last handful of years, and especially the fact that you're having one of the biggest stars and American wrestling in the last seven or eight years, male or female coming into your company relatively soon. And you're going to get a lot of uh, 
stateside eyes onto the Japan product. And, uh, you know, hey, we have, you know, AEW is very easy, you know, to watch. Obviously, WWE, uh, that's what I'm referring to, former WWE superstar Sasha Banks, now Mercedes Monet. You, I mean, the production quality of the wrestling, especially the top two products that we have in America, is absolutely top notch. And then if you're going to get some of the AEW, WWE fans, they're like, I'm going to watch the show because I want to see Sasha Mercedes take on this Mayu lady that we've been hearing so much about. And then it's like, you've got to order the pay-per-view. You have to do all this other stuff. And you're like, no, I'm just going to wait for it to come on, you know, Stardom World, who is just a little over $7. And then it's like, wait, what's this? I have to navigate this. What am I doing here? You know, forget it's not even worth it. You know, it's the, I mean, you, you, you know, you'll, you'll have that. But uh, as far as the interests go, uh, you talked about a little bit ago. Um, I actually like watching the interests because I'd like to see the reaction that each individual is going to get. And if they're going to react with the crowd, before they get into the ring. And I always say your matches don't start when the bell rings and your matches don't end when the bell rings. It's what happens the curtain to curtain from the second you come out and you cut the curtain, you can see, Oh, that person's a star. And I tell, and I've had so many people that I talk to almost on a daily basis that have come around to start watching stardom just based on entrances from Julia. Like, Oh, that's a star. That's a star. I'm like, wait till she gets in the ring. It gets even better. So it's like, I see your point where it's just like, yeah, because I know you have, you have, you know, we're all busy. We all have so much to do. Where it's like, if I'm going to cut out two or three minutes of this match and I can cut out the entrances, I need to get to the meat and the potatoes of the match. That I didn't understand. But for me, I like just watching, watching the entrances. And the fact that you have, again, a legendary venue like Cork and Hall where cheering is encouraged and is allowed. And if they're hot for the matches, they're going to be hot for the entrances as well. And I think we kind of got robbed of that on this show, which was a fantastic show. But yeah, they do. They really need to start taking some of the money that they've been making. And uh, from what I understand, they're more profitable than New Japan was, you know, over the last year plus. So it's like, why don't we start taking some of that money and start putting it towards the production? You know, uh, there's an old saying, in order for you to to make money, you have to spend money. It's again, Stardom is making a lot of money for uh, for what their overhead is. And I think it's time that, that they have to up their, their production quality, especially on Stardom World, to get these shows up either live or literally that day. Yeah, they've proved they can with the new blood shows. Um and you know, I know there's a there's a narrative that certain venues don't aren't very accommodating of live streaming and don't have the right setup and the connectivity is not great, but you know, all Japan does it. Noah does it, New Japan does it, TJPW does it. So I feel like it's the next logical step. And the only thing I can think of in regard to the entrances is with Fuwa coming out and uh, seconding stars, I'm wondering if she was ringside for the rest of the show. And Ah. obviously when they're doing the big pan of Corrigan Hall, maybe the wrestlers are walking past her, in which case whoever it is has got to try and cut i don't know why i keep saying whoever it is i know we know it's sunny i don't know why i'm not saying his name um and whether he's had to cut round that i don't know and it's just easier to cut out the entrances but even so if it's more more hassle than it's worth have a go backstage after her bit i I don't understand anyway anyway that's my only negative out of the way because as i've already alluded to i thoroughly enjoyed this corrigan hall show and we started with our opening future of star number one contendership three-way match rena defeating hina and miyu amasaki with the jackknife pin in five minutes and 31 seconds there was a really interesting dynamic in this match even though it you know it was five and a half minutes that that the main alliance in this match was between the two sisters 
rather than between the Queen's Quest stablemates, because Hina and Rina spent a decent portion of this match teaming up to beat up Mio Amasaki. Did you notice that? And it was a very, it was a very weird dynamic, but it was a good match. So I actually started out with the the, uh, the QQ duo beating up on Rina, and then it switched to the sisters. But I noticed because this was uh, a rematch from the uh, the pre show of the of the pay per view. And I thought both of them were equally as good, but this one they showcased Miyu a little bit more. Mm. I thought Miyu looked—I mean, she, no, I'm not saying she looked bad in the pay-per-view match, but I thought they did a really good job getting her strengths over in this match. And then Rina and Hina basically did their sprint finish, um, which I thought was really good. But yeah, five minutes. Um, the uh, yeah, it was kind of weird with the uh, the team up with the sisters, and and we've seen it before in the New Blood show. I think it was was it Hana and Hina teamed up, or maybe it was Hina and Rina. I forget which there was there was a duo with the sisters teaming up. It was like the opening match of one of the new blood shows, and I was like, I know they're in separate factions, but boy, somewhere down the line, I would like to see these two have a run at the goddess belts. Um, but uh yeah, uh I guess sometimes blood is thicker than water. Even if the water was being rested on the quest of Queen's Quest. So uh, take that as it will. But overall though, Rob, enjoyed this match. Really good way to start. Uh, crowd was really into this. Uh, I actually gave it three and a quarter stars. Yeah, I gave it three, thought it was a decent opener. I think the right person definitely won. We, I think we both said during our preview that we assumed that Rena was going to win this because she seems to be the next logical step um, in the future of Stardom's sort of lineage. And I, I do thoroughly believe that she's going to take the belt from, uh, from Amisori, especially once we get to that main event. I'm going to talk a little bit about that now. Uh, sorry, when we get to there. But overall, decent match, a good showcase for all of that talent. I think Miyu Amasaki, and we again, I talked about this last week, when that that injury did sort of rock her momentum somewhat. And I think the more she's wrestled, the better she's gotten, the smoother she's gotten. There was sequences during this match, especially when it came to her drop kicks, where she seemed far more comfortable. So, you know, it's all it's all trending upwards, as I said before. It's uh, it's good to see. Um, match two, a three-way tag team match with the Oeritai team of Fukin Death and Saki Kashima defeating the Rebel and Enemy team of Mike Rosaki and Ram Kai Chow and the Stars team of Kogama and Momokogo with Fukin Death getting another roll-up victory over Momokogo with the O'Connor roll in 6 minutes and 56 seconds. Now, Matt, what is the best way to survive a bear attack? I guess play dead. <laughs> that's it, what, it's that's, to play that's, dead. <laughs> that's what happened here. Or if you're a true old school wrestler, you wrestle them, you know, like Danny Hodge wrestling a bear that's or true. Tracy Smothers or Tracy Smothers wrestling a bear. I actually heard that story firsthand from Tracy. Another story. Maybe that'll be part of our Q and a when we do the, uh, can Matt tell those Tracy, Tracy Smothers wrestling a bear story on, on our <laughs> Patreon. But uh, yeah, obviously they opted the, uh, to go the other way and, not borrow from the book of Tracy Smothers. They went and they played dead. <laughs> I did find that quite funny. I'm not going to lie. And it did sort of, uh, it added a new, a new way people can deal with the Kogama stick, which, uh, which I quite enjoyed another roll up vi- victory for Fukin death, which uh, again, no came out on top. So it it's fine. I still don't really understand why Fukin death's the one getting the roll up when you've literally got the number one contender for the high speed championship teaming with it. But, it's a very small nitpick. Overall, I thought this was decent. I thought all six women 
had decent chemistry. Um, yeah, overall, a decent showing. I gave it three stars, Matt. Yeah, three and a quarter, and I said it last week, and I'll say it again. I think it's in uh, it's in Fukin Death's contract that if she's in a multi-person match, she must win via O'Connor role. So. Absolutely. She's one of the most protected wrestlers on the <laughs> roster at this point, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, match three was our first towel match of the evening with the Future of Stardom Championship up for grabs. Ami Sori defending her belt successfully against Lady C with the like of Thunderbolt in nine minutes and 19 seconds, achieving V3, who now adds, uh, and she now adds, sorry, Lady C to the list of defenses that include previously Ruaka and May Sakurai. Now, Matt, very difficult question for you. Who, out of Amisori and Lady C, has the best chops? Ooh. The answer uh, will be revealed when we do our next show. The answer is Saida. Uh, that's a great <laughs> question because because you knew these. Well, Lady C quickly tweeted out a picture of her uh, chest just being chopped to, to chopped to hamburger, and uh, Lady C gave it back just equally uh, to Ami Sori. But that's a that's a good question. Again, subjective. There's no wrong answer. I think Ami Sori has the better chops, not by much, but this was. A brutal, brutal match with the uh, the blistering chops, the clotheslines, the big boots from Lady C, the submission. This was almost ten minutes of nonstop action. Like I figured it was be good, was going to be good. Obviously, I'm very high on Lady C. I think Ami Sori is terrific, but uh, this kind of exceeded my, even my expectations. Uh, as I was writing my notes down, I was uh, getting, I, you know, I knew what the finish was as Ami Sori picked it up for the like a thunderbolt. I was getting ready to write three and a half stars but I bumped it up a quarter of a star to three and three fourths just on the dangerousness of that like a Thunderbolt. Holy geez, Lady C is one of the tallest or the tallest wrestler of the starting roster. And it was like, oh man, she dropped her. I mean, I went back and watched and it was protected, but they did a good job of getting the illusion over of Lady C getting dropped right on her head. I mean, that thing was brutal. The way that Ami Story does that, it's one of the most devastating finishes in all of stardom. But yeah, kind of uh, back and forth. They did a really good job building up towards the finish. And they did a really, Ami did a really good job of building up Lady C, almost uh, putting her away with the Cobra Clutch submission. And then that, uh, again, Ami Story, you know, she's no, uh, she's not, she's one of the taller members of the stardom roster, but she got up really big for Lady C on that choke slam. I mean, she almost hit her head at the top of Cork and Hall. I mean, that was a really cool, that was a really cool visual and a really great way to build towards the finish. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed this match. Yeah, so did I. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said about how good Lady C looked here. And it's it's a bit of a theme between the two championship matches that Adri the Losers came out looking a lot better um, than they did going in. I think Lady C's progress has been phenomenal. Um, I don't think anyone really anticipated a winning this. But I think the account she gave of herself during this match was great. I think she pretty much matched Amisori step for step. Um, and they both told a pretty compelling narrative, um, just beating the living hell out of each other. They were throwing Lariat. She mentioned that choke slam. Good grief. Hulk Hogan, take notes. That is how you take a choke slam. Um, Amisori was there to make Lady C look good. And uh, I think it certainly worked. And I'd love to see Lady C at some point hold the future belt because I think she's earned it. I think she's paid her dues. I think she's progressed fantastically, but it's just not her time yet. And I think that's where we are at the moment. I can see her getting it 
maybe after Rina, or maybe after the one after Rina. But I think for now, sort of hone your craft. If you're going to go with DDM, go with DDM, sort of wrestle like, sort of in that style, in the same way May Sakurai did. Or if you're going to stay with Queen's Quest, stay with Queen's Quest and sort of forge your way there. But I think she is a future, pun intended, future of stardom champion. Just not quite yet. And this is without saying anything about Amisori, who, again, is another one who has massively, massively improved and has benefited hugely from sharing the ring and sharing a team with the likes of Suri. Um, and I think the only reason I would take the belt off Amisori is because, and again, this is no disrespect, I think she's passed the division by now. I think she could go on to other things rather than uh, rather than being the future of stardom champion. I did give it three and a half stars, not three and three quarters. I was slightly more down on it than you, but I still thought a really, really, really good match and another good title defense for Amisori. And folks, if you had on your stardom cast bingo card, Rob making a lady see the Hulk Hogan reference, please let me know. Because <laughs> I, I, I want to know. I want to know. But all in all, yeah, great match. Who And uh, um, answer your own question there, good sir. Who had the better chops, Ami or Lady C? It's going to like a really stupid and contrived answer, but I like the contact of Amisori's more, but I like the form of Lady C's more. And I don't know what I don't know why. I just feel Lady C's have got a very Kojima sort of style about them. And, th- and I think it's the way she holds her non-striking arm that sort of reminds me of Kojima. But to be honest, they're they're both really good chops. Um Amisori's are obviously a little bit more violent than uh, than Lady C's, but Lady C's form sticks with my sticks with me. She gets an eight out of ten for form. Um but yeah. That, that's my answer in a really roundabout, silly way. Um, we move on then to match four, which, of course, we can't tell you anything about because uh, we couldn't see it. The uh, eight-woman tag team match. The Dara Del Mondo team of Julia, Mike Tekler and May Sakurai defeated the Stars team, second in Baifua. Uh, Mai Iwitani, Hazuki, Saeeda and Hanan with Micah pinning Saeeda with the Michinoku driver two in nine minutes and 23 seconds. Uh, match five, tag team match. The God's Eye team of Suri and Mirai defeating the Black Desire team of Starlight Kid and Momo Watanabe. Uh, with Mirai pinning Starlight Kid clean with a roll-up in 10 minutes and 15 seconds. It doesn't feel, even though, obviously, <laughs> as I'm saying this now, she has just been pinned on pay-per-view, but we don't often see Starlight Kid pinned clean, do we, Matt? No, not really. But again, she was probably, I mean, you're, you're literally, I mean, if you take a look at the resume of these ladies in the ring, you have, uh, you have two Cinderella tournament winners. You have a finalist in the five-star Grand Prix. You have a winner of the five-star Grand Prix, arguably the greatest red belt champion of all time, arguably the greatest white belt champion of all time. Oh yeah. And Starlight Kid, she's really good too. Um, but they did a really good job building Starlight Kid up. I think everybody was great in this match, but I thought Starlight Kid was the MVP. Um, so, I mean, again, it makes sense. If if you're going to beat somebody in this match, I thought they would have saved the draw for this match, not the next match we're going to talk about. Um, but if you're going to beat somebody in this match, build them up 
build them up towards the end, make sure that they look good in their offense. And uh, it's a really smart way to put this match together. I like how like Shiri and Mirai, even though they're part of God's eye, they're really not like a tag team, like how Momo and Starlight Kid are. I like how in the beginning, Momo and Starlight Kid would use their double teams to get the uh, advantage on Shiri and Mirai. And then once Shiri and Mirai got a little bit of advantage, Oedo Tai interfered and it turned into like the, uh, the, Cork and Hall style brawl that we haven't seen in a while because of, you know, you really weren't able to go in the crowd, you know, a handful of months ago. So it was like, then they got the advantage that way. And then once they kind of kind of came down to like a singles match, like we saw Sherry and Momo really tear it up. And we got, we saw a really nice sequence with Sherry and Starlight Kid. And I don't remember a time that we've got, I don't think ever since Starlight Kid has turned to the, uh, the dark side after she uh, referenced My Chemical Romance, or excuse me, found My Chemical Romance, <laughs> I don't think we've ever had uh, Starlight Kid versus Sherry straight up one-on-one match. And that's something that I would like to see somewhere in the future. But, uh, you know, then ultimately they basically have a sprint with Starlight Kid and Mirai, where it's almost like Starlight Kid was using like the high-speed offense and the Mirai was just able to catch her. Almost like, you know, reversing one of her own hold to, to get the win. I thought the storytelling was really good. I thought the buildup was really good. And uh, I mean, these four, all four of these women are, are, are world-class professional wrestlers. So you knew it wasn't going to be a bad match by any stretch of the imaginations. And it wasn't. I had it at three and three-fourth stars. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a really good undercard tag match. I mean, again, you've already said it. You know, you look at who's in the ring. They're not going to have a bad match. And I don't think a, a pinfall every now and then hurts Starlight Kid at all. Um you know, obviously, Mirai getting the victory, the thinking behind that became obvious when we got to the main event. But overall, these four women have really, really good chemistry. There's actually a question here from uh, from Al Douglas on our Patreon. And uh, obviously, last week, we were talking about um, viable challenges for the Goddess Belt at Yokohama. Now, obviously... Now we know who that's going to be for Yokohama, but at, just thinking back to it, um, sort of getting into your headspace from last week, Matt. Um, Al says, are Black Desire not an option for the Goddess Belt at Yokohama? And I was thinking about this, and they should be, absolutely. It's Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid, and as a team, I feel like they have a lot to offer. Um, I feel like their run was... Uh, sort of cut a bit prematurely but I feel like they could do a job but it feels at the moment like as a team they are stone cold doesn't it yeah I'm not really sure where they're going um, and obviously they had a little mini run with the uh, goddess belts and then they pretty much as soon as they lost them they won the artist belts with Saki Kashima and that's some bangers of matches mm-hmm. like one after one after one and then dropped them in that wild match of prominence but yeah even like Mel Tier. I mean, we'll talk about it on, on you know, on the uh, when we do the next show here in just a, a few minutes. But it's just like, you know, it seems like ever since they dropped the belt, like there's really nothing going on. And not support just eating fall after fall. I don't even think that Saki um, ate a fall in the co- with the Cosmic Angels team in the Triangle Derby. I think it was all not support. But it's like, yeah, some of these teams, they really kind of need to heat up. It just seems like ever since, like, the 7-Up team came in and they're like, it seems like all their focus is on them. And you have, like, obviously, FWC, We I think we all agree there's more in store for Hizuki. She's going to go on to bigger and better things. But you can kind of just heat them up just a little bit. Uh, obviously, Miami, they're still there for a little bit. You can heat them up a little bit. But, yeah, Black Desire, it's just like, what are you really doing with Momo and Starlight Kid right now? Why can't you heat them up and give them, you know, a shot at the tag belt or put them in a number one contenders match? But, uh, yeah, you they really haven't been doing much with them here. Um 
really since they dropped the belts. And even, uh, I mean, they had some good matches in the, the Goddess of Stardom tournament. But, yeah, I, I see uh, I see his point. It does seem like they are pretty stone cold at the moment. But I kind of have an idea what they're going to be doing with Momo at the um, at the Yokohama show. So I'm not shocked that they are not getting the uh, the title challenge here or at that show. No, I mean, Al does go on to say, I personally don't think they're changing hands anyway until Saya drops the white belt so that then Aphrodite can take them, which it makes sense to come full circle. Obviously, um, seven up beat Aphrodite in the final of the tag league. So that will be a nice storyline once uh, once Saya drops the white belt, whether that is against Mina Shirakawa or whether that is later on. I mean, the thing is with Black Desire, I imagine that this year moving into 2024 starlight kid is going to have a massive massive push as a singles wrestler whether that is through winning the cinderella tournament or making it through to the final of the cinderella tournament or whether you know is it out of the realms of possibility that she wins the five star i mean you heard on this show just how over starlight kid is and she is a heel. Like there's no, she's not a tweener. She is one hundred percent heel as part of the heel faction in Stardom. And yet I would argue she was one of the most over on this entire show, Matt. So clearly whatever they're going to do with Starlight Kid, I feel like it's going to be well received. If they are going to do, and let me pose this in the form of a question to you, if they do stardom dream queendom three if they do that and the winner of the five star takes on the red belt champion at dream queendom in the main event of sumo hall let's just assume it's going to stay julia which i think it probably will be do you see starlight kid as one half of that main event ah i see three people um and Starlight, I don't know who one. I know one and two who they are. I don't know what where I have them, but I would have Starlight Kid number three. Um, Julia, not less. She stops drawing money, and they lose faith in her, which I don't see it happening. I don't see Julia dropping the. I obviously see Julia as one half of that main event. I don't see Julia dropping the belt. That you've already changed. You know, the first Dream Queendom, you changed the belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one, you changed the belt. I think that Julia's going to have a 14, 15, 16 month reign to the point where she's even going to be tapping on the V14 of Io Shirai. I think that uh, whether she does or doesn't, I think it's going to be something that that uh, when we come when we talk about stardom at the end of the year, that that's something that we're going to be have to bringing up. But uh, I see Starlight Kid as the third option, one or one and two. I don't know the order. It's Kamatani and Yutami. Um, I think either Saya or Yutami is going to win the five star. I even think Saya. I'm early prediction. Saya is going to be going up against Yutami in the finals of the five star. Obviously, we don't know the brackets, anything like that. But that's just my kind of crazy prediction. But um, either one of those main events, Julia versus Saya, Julia versus Yutami, Julia versus Starlight Kid. Uh, it's a win-win-win. <laughs> and I don't think anybody's yeah. going to, you know, I say wrestling subjective. But if you don't think that's going to be a good main event, you're nuts. <laughs> you're nuts. Sorry, you're crazy. But yeah, it is a possibility. And I actually wrote an article. I didn't get a chance to. I have to finish. I've just been so busy. My next article for the website is going to be on is Starlight Kid too good to be a bad guy. Um, and I'm just, I'm about 75% done, done with it. I have, I'm going to hopefully go back to it in maybe about a week or two once I have a minute to breathe and uh, post that article on the uh, StardomCast website. But uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um, it really all it takes is, I mean, what, what's the hate about her? 
you know, how am I supposed to like, you know, uh, how am I supposed to hate her? She's got this awesome entrance. She's got the cool robe, the cool mask. She's got the, you know, she's very charismatic. Oh yeah. By the way, when the bell rings, she's fantastic. Like, how am I, how am I supposed to boo this person? I mean, you've got a very good point. I mean, just looking at the last, the list of five-star winners, the last five-star winner to be unsuccessful was Hannah Kimura back in 2019. So you had Utami win in 2020 and then go on to beat um, Mayu. You had Siori then go on to beat uh, Utami and then you had Julie go on to beat Siori. I feel like you're absolutely spot on. I feel like we are due an unsuccessful challenge. And I think if you're due an unsuccessful challenge and you haven't got the put pressure of putting the main prize of stardom on them and sort of start testing the water, this, the time is right to give not necessarily someone who, well, yeah, someone you wouldn't necessarily expect, maybe a star-like kid, that chance, that opportunity. Okay, let's see how she does at the top of a card at a sumo hall. Um, I know we've we've sort of gone off the rails a little bit here, but that's of course of course we have that's your free bingo spot will Matt and Rob go off the rails of course we have but that's in my opinion that's why I feel like Black Desire has been put uh, has been put on the back burner I feel like it was it was there to do a job they did that job and it has now been shelved um, they'll team every now and then but I don't feel like they are a uh, a full-time tag team in the tag division. Let's put it that way. Um, let's move on then to match number six, which was a six-woman tag team match, the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Natsupoy, and Saki. That's not the team. What am I talking no, about? <laughs> what am I talking about? Six-woman tag team match, Cosmic Angels, Tam Nakano, um, Mina Shirakawa, and Mariah May. Don't know why I put Natsupoy and Saki. I think that's because I'm so used to typing it because of the triangle <laughs> derby. Um, and the Queen's Quest team of Yutami Hayashita, Sai Kamatani and Azumi ended in a time limit draw in 15 minutes. And all my notes have got Mina in them, so I don't know why I've put Saki in there and Natsupoy. Um, but overall, I think the time limit draw here worked um, and I enjoyed the chemistry between Saya and Mina. They have that sort of it's the Tam and Mayu energy where you can let it cool off and then once you heat it up again, you're there for it straight away. Um, I did see a couple of people who worried that maybe we've left it too long and the sheen sort of gone off of Mina. However, I feel like a good couple of wins heading into Yokohama, a strong Cinderella, I feel like she's a very, very viable and credible threat to Saya Kamatani. Uh, that credible that I think she's winning, but that's beside the point. Um, and I think you can really write a story in Saya Kamatani not being sure of herself because of what she did last time to Mina in kneeing her in the face during a botched Phoenix Splash. I know you hate that word, Matt. Um, but I feel like there's a narrative there. They've started to plant those seeds Again, Mina Shirakawa had the beating of Saya Kamatani as the bell went. You know, Saya Kamatani would have lost a lot of matches had the time limit been more than 15 minutes over the last couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she eats the glamorous driver Mina um, just as the bell goes, sort of an emphatic full stop on the match from Mina. But 
Aside from that, aside from obviously the main focus of this match being Mina and Saya heading into Yokohama, I felt like everyone else played their part really, really well. You know, you had Tam and Utami putting on an absolutely brilliant little exchange. The suplex spot with Utami popping straight up like some sort of zombie with this Diff, like just death look in her face and the camera angle was really really good to see it as she then throws Tam across the ring but overall I felt like this was an enjoyable six woman tag a time limit draw it was going to happen and I think it's probably the right result here overall it was a really really solid match I gave it three and three quarter stars Matt Wow, I, I'll tell you right, it's my favorite match of the uh, the two nights, four and a quarter. Wow. I absolutely love this match. Uh, you know, obviously, I mean, look who's involved. You know, I mean, look who's involved, especially the trio, that the, the Utami Sayazumi. Um, I kind of thought when we were reviewing this match, I'm like, well, they're going to give the win here to Queen's Quest. You know, you have Utami, who's protected. You have Saya, the white belt champion. You have Azumi, the high-speed champion. And they're next in line for the artist belts. You know, you're going to beat Mariah May. But that just goes to show you what confidence and rightfully so stardom has on Mariah May, where where everybody was really protected in this match. But uh, I mean, you mentioned it before that one of my one of my notes here, kind of halfway through, is can we please get another Tam versus Utami singles match, please? I know we had two bangers in the five star in 2022 and uh, and in 2021, which I think that match was on the final night. I think Tam and uh, Tam and Utami was the final night of the five star. Uh, if I'm wrong. I know there's a book that I can go to that, uh, about 2021 <laughs> that would prove me right or wrong called Living the Dream, Stardom's 10th Anniversary in Review. Mark it on the bingo card, folks. Didn't have any idea how I was going to work that in place in the, uh, 2021. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the really the crux of this match, the build of this match is to build towards Mina and Saya. And it started with, you know, basically the bell rang. And Saya basically told her Queen's Quest for everyone, no, 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 I'm starting this match. Mina does the same thing. And basically, before they even really even take center of the ring, Corkin's all into it. Corkin's all into it. So we basically get like the mini match to start. Uh, and then Mariah May gets in there. She has a really good sequence with Saya and Izumi. And then, of course, yeah, we get Tam and Yutami just dropping each other on their heads. That was fantastic. Uh, and then we um, basically get back to Mina and Saya, where Mina's getting the better part of Saya. And then I like the cohesive cohesiveness of uh of queen's quest one of the many reasons why i like them is they see that sai is getting beat up so yutami and Uzumi come in and make the save so that was really really cool and it basically tells a really cool story like hey sai i have you beat here but you had to have your two buddies come in and save your ass i thought that's a cool little story uh saya comes in she does the big dives and then we get back down to saya and Mina. And yeah, you're right. Saya Kamatani would have a lot more L's in the column if it wasn't for that time limit draw. It just seems like she knows when to hang on to the, when it hits like 1455. Because if you guys think, Rob, if you're not in a submission, if you get hit with a move at 1457, the ref has to get down and do a three count. And that could take anywhere from three to five seconds. So uh, yeah, she does a good job hanging on. Um, but to me, and like I said, there is 80, 85% of everybody I talked to, they think the belt's changing hands at Yokohama. And again, I'm not sure. I still think it's going to be Saya and the way that this match was built, especially with Saya really putting Mina over in this match. It reminded me of what happened about a month ago on these multi-person matches where Saya was really putting Hazuki over in the match. And in turn, Saya gets the big win at the big pay-per-view. I think they, you know, I don't know. And I don't know, maybe they're doing a rinse and repeat copying a get an a thing here with like we're just gonna do you know what we do with me and what we did with suzuki 
But again, I don't know. And that's what's great. Like, I look at this Yokohama show. There's so many matches. I'm like, it can go either way. It can go either way. But all in all, great match. Again, Mariah May looked great. I want another Tam Utami match. And again, Queen's Quest is awesome. Again, my favorite match of these two shows, four and a quarter stars. It's an interesting thought with Mina Shirakawa because if she loses here, that's two shots she's had against Saya and lost. And I feel like that does derail Mina. I don't feel like she's been derailed at the moment. I don't feel like the sheen's gone off her. You heard the reaction from the Corrigan crowd. She's still incredibly over. And we're only on, as we record, the 15th of March. The show's not for over another month. So we've still got a lot of time to build this feud. I just feel like if it's not going to be Mina, I mean, you could potentially have it be Starlight Kid. Um, but... I feel like there's more of a story with Mina. There was a story with Hazuki, obviously with her failed fifth attempt at the Y belt. And you've got the story here of sort of redemption of Sayakamitani after she injured Mina. And you can see that from the very start, those opening exchanges where Saya, who's usually very, very confident in her way of going forward, but she was really quite meek in those opening exchanges and it took some belting slaps from Mina for her to sort of cut round. And it's almost like Sai is like, how do I actually wrestle Mina? And she's starting to die herself and I feel like if that's the reason she drops the white belt, I feel like that's a really cool story and a real, a really cool narrative to lean into whether they do do that or whether they just do what they did with Hazuki. I don't know. And that obviously opens up an entirely new who does Saya Kamatani drop the belt to because by then I believe it's 16. So she will have been on, is that 17 tile defenses? Is that what that is? Yeah, she's Right now she's at V15. So she's tied Tony Storm for the most consecutive in uh, one single reign in the history of stardom. So and, and Mina is not, and again, we'll obviously you know talk about this more in the future as we get closer to the show. Mina is a fantastic choice. And I think the choice they may want to go to, but I think that uh, you have a better option in there. And I think that's the Hazuki option. Again, I think Hazuki wins the Cinderella. And then I think she takes, you know, you build her back up again. Uh, another story for another day. But um, yeah, I, I, there's not many people that are in the uh, the Saya beating Mina camp other than uh, really me and just a few other people. But again, uh, we, we will see what happens here in the next four or five weeks hate you when you do this because you'll say something and i'm like i can't get that out of my head now so they'll have hazuki go for it at the fukuoka show in may you shouldn't hate me buddy i'm i'm nothing but nice to you i don't know why you would say that (laughs) hate hate such a strong word (laughs) yeah yeah you only use hate you only use hate when you use the words racism and country music that's really that's all i do (laughs) That's a great album title. Um, <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> anyway. So, match seven, the semi-main was a singles match with Natsupoi getting a clean victory over Himika with what Stardom World said was an Udi Hishigi Juji Gitame. Thank you very much. Um, but I'm reliably informed by Dana on Twitter. Um, it's Dana now definitely follow them it's great um is actually called the fairy princess so that is the name of natsupoi's armbar um and that was in 14 minutes and 48 seconds just 12 seconds short of the time limit now this match for me was excellent it was well paced you had a great through line of natsupoi targeting himika's arm 
But as well, when they got to the very, very end and you've got the timekeeper getting more and more irate as they get closer to 15 minutes, you automatically assume, because it's stardom and because it's Rossi Ogawa, you assume, right, we're going to a time limit draw then. But to have him make a tap out that close to the time limit just added that, oh my God, what? That's amazing. And it, it sort of adds... We got we get to a certain point with starter matches where we think, right, it's gone past that time, we're going to a time limit draw. And I thought that's where we were going here. We got past 14 minutes and I was like, do you know what? It's, it's going to be a time limit draw. As good as the match is, it's going to a time limit draw. And then to have this surprise and to have Natsupoi properly wrenching back on that fairy princess and Himika, the first couple of times she tapped, it was almost like she didn't want to. She was doing it in spite of herself. And then she started hitting the mat hard as Natsupoi wrenched back. It's great to see Natsupoi get a little bit of win back because you're absolutely right, Matt. Any pinfalls that Cosmic Angels took during that triangle derby seem to be Natsupoi. And I think Himika, she's she's going away. So if she can help anyone else who's going to be remaining in the company, she's obviously going to. Overall, I thought these two had really, really, really good chemistry. Himika literally tossing Natsupoi around at one point, gorilla pressing her just out of the ring. Just just get out of the ring, Natsupoi. Right onto the floor, and she bounced. Um, and that's something that's really good when you've got someone the size of Himika and someone who is the size and the build and has the ability to sell like Natsupoi because it makes Himika, even, even an injured Himika, it makes her look like an absolute monster. And I thought that story of sort of David and Goliath and Natsupoi being able to put her away right at the last minute, I thought it was a great story. I gave it four stars, Matt. I was the same, four stars as well. And you have a wrestling company that has a lot of really good submission wrestlers. So when Natsupoi is like, I'm going to come up with a new finish, I'm going to come up with an arm bar. How can I do it different? Or it looks different from, a, you know, a, a Shiri or a Julia or so on and so forth. Oh, I'll do that crazy Ferio blink thing into the armbar. Because essentially that's just what it was. And I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, now we have Natsupoy be basically going into the shooter realm, doing armbar submissions. And maybe, Rob, maybe this is where the whole entire Natsupoy beatdown tour is leading us to, where she's like, I'm tired of getting beat down. I'm going to come up with a crazy armbar. And I'm going to do it on the Jumbo Princess on her way out. How about that? But uh, yeah, really cool story. Just another another wrinkle in the fantastic offense that is Natsupoy. And I liked how like they you know she, they build towards it. They build towards it. And anytime she had it on, uh, Himika would use her power to power out. She even did the uh, the rampage Jackson power bomb, which I really really enjoyed. I enjoyed how I knew how this match was going to start. The bell rings. They stare each other down, and I'm like they're going to start slapping each other. And boy, howdy, did they! Uh, these two really, really went at it. Yeah, then yeah, I got to a point where Natsupoy was on a roll with offense, and then Himika's like, yeah, I'm just going to gorilla press you out of the ring. And yeah, like you said, Natsupoy bounced off the floor like it was a basketball. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was the really cool thing with the submission happening at 1448. It was, we've seen it a lot where like someone will get a three count or a tap out with like one second left or two seconds left. So it's like, okay, they're either going to get to the actual time limit or wait a second or two before, but they gave us like a 10 to 12 second break there. I'm like, Oh, I didn't see, I didn't think it was going to happen. Like not that quick, but I thought they would have stretched it a little bit more. Uh, maybe that's what it was leading to the soft tap out into the, uh, the, the, the longer tap out. So this way is more of a visual for Himika to put over not support. But yeah, I thought this was really, really good. I liked how too, how, um, 
but when uh, not to, or uh, Himiko was going for the JP coaster, and on the way down, Natsupoy countered in the armbar. I thought that was really, really athletic. Um, yeah, and a really, really big win for Natsupoy to get a submission win over her former DDM stablemate uh, on such a big show um, at Cork and Hall. Yeah, excellent four stars. Really good way to uh, to build towards the main event. Yeah, we we Natsupoy is another great talent and another example of someone who you know, in a long list of stardom in ta- uh, stardom talent that you can tap on the shoulder, just go, right, can you do this semi-main or this main event? And she will blow it out of the water. I mean, that sequence that you were referring to where she goes out of the fairy or blink into the fairy princess was great. And then to have Himika sort of grind her way to her feet and hit that one-arm powerbomb, which is always incredibly impressive whenever you see it in a match. But because Natsupoi sells it so well and just bounces across the ring, it's just so impactful. And I felt like these two have a really, really untapped chemistry when it comes to singles matches against each other. And obviously you add to the for that the emotion that they have from being very close whilst they were both in Donna Del Mondo. And it was a really, really, really enjoyable match. And in fact, it was only stopped being my favorite match on the card by this main event. So match eight, Goddesses of Stardom Championship match. The champions seven up defeat BMI 2000, Natsukatora and Ruaka with you getting the pinfall over Ruaka with the diving body splash. Now, we have been... Um, well, we've been two things. We have been complimentary of Nene Takashi's work on the New Blood shows in um, giving a lot to the lesser experienced or the younger talent. You know, Wakasuki Armour is a huge example. Lady C is another. Um, and we've been down on the way 7-Up have been pushed to the moon somewhat. You know, they were semi-finalists in the Triangle Derby. They won the Goddess of Storm Tag League and perhaps shouldn't have done and it wasn't very well received. Um, one thing you can't say, however, about 7-Up is that their matches aren't good. Now, I felt like going into this, it was going to be a good match, but there's not a cat in hell's chance that BMI 2000 are winning. And it's going to be a very by-the-numbers defense for 7-Up. And it, it had the potential to be quite, quite sort of straight-laced, like no sort of trouble in it, you know, 7-up win, there you go, standard. What they did here, though, was they elevated Ruaka to such a point that the entirety of Corican Hall is chanting Ruaka's name. This is a 17-year-old heel in Oedetai, and she's the most over person in this match where one of them is an ex-Red Belt champion. But Nene especially gave Ruwaka so much in this match. And from her standpoint, from Ruwaka's standpoint, this is her best performance in stardom, without a doubt. However, she comes out of this, and I've talked about it on numerous podcast episodes before where a loss doesn't have to be damaging everyone sort of anticipated that bmi 2000 were losing but it's the way in which you lose and i feel like the amount that ruaka was given from nene that whole 
clothesline exchange and Ruaka standing aground and refusing to go down, um, sort of being able to floor Nene Takahashi with clotheslines of her own. She hits the freezer bomb, managing to power both you and Nene Takahashi at different points into the Fisherman Buster, which is always impressive when you consider the height disparity between the three of them. I thought here this was this was all about Ruaka. I thought Nene put on another fantastic, in inverted commas, passion injection match where she's helped to elevate a younger talent. I don't know what you thought about you selling during this match, but I thought it was a damn sight better. I thought it was a lot more consistent, and she also gave Ruaka a lot during this match. But overall, I thought that the four women turned what had the potential to be a pain-by-numbers title defense into a very exciting platform to elevate Ruaka. And I thought they took the ball and took the opportunity with both hands. Yeah, I did all the time on this podcast that, um, or anybody that just listens, that will listen to me about me talking about wrestling. If uh, you don't build your opponent up after you, you know, in a match and then you beat them, then who's you beat? You really didn't beat anybody. And yeah, they built, Ruaka was built up more in this match than anybody, you know, in this fantastic Cork and Hall show, the legendary Japanese venue. We're in the main event at Cork and Hall for a world championship the place was going ballistic for Ruaka. Um, and I have said on the show, you know, back in the summer, I'm like, I don't think she's progressing at all. And it was a little concerned to see what they're going to do with her. And all of a sudden they put her in this tag team with, with uh, Natsuko Tora and uh, she's having great singles matches, great tag matches, great, you know, multi-person matches. So you can start, you can see, you know, I don't know if it's Tora's influence or, or what's going on, but at the last three or four months, Ruwaka is really, really improving, which is, you know, really great to see anytime you see somebody being successful. It's something that they truly love. And Nene Takahashi, yes, she's been doing it ever since she's been back, and she's been elevating the younger talent of stardom. And they, her and you did a great job getting Ruwaka over and giving a majority of the offense, and then in turn, they go and beat her. So that just makes seven up stronger. It's really just... Simple wrestling can be really simple when you break it down. And that's exactly what you and Nene did. And, you know, you, you wanted me to comment on you selling. At first, it looked like you was going to kind of go to, like, very low selling. But she made Ruaka work for it. She made Ruaka a really, even a couple times with Tora. Like, she would get hit with a couple forearms or kicks or punches. And she would kind of stagger just a little. And she would make them have to hit her harder or hit her with combinations. And then she did the proper selling. That, so I absolutely have no problem with that. I actually prefer that. She really made the two of them. And especially Ruaka really earned it, really earned the bump, really earned you know, the sell, really earned showing that there's pain on my face from uh, Ruaka you know, you know, giving me moves and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, I was a little shocked when this was the main event because I really thought they would have put either the Natsupoy Himika match on there or the QQ versus Cosmic Angels. But again, it just goes to show you how much value Stardom has in their championships. And I'm glad that this one did go on last um, just based on the uh, based on the reaction. Uh, I thought this was really good. And um, I'm assuming this was your favorite match on the show. I'm just curious to see what your star rating was because mine was I I enjoyed it. I'm assuming your star rating is probably going to be higher than mine because I had it at three and three fourth stars. It is indeed. I gave it four stars. Okay. There you go. There you go, indeed. Again, I just thought not only was it a good match in its in its own right, which Seven Up are able to do seemingly on a whim, um, 
but I felt like their ability to elevate opponents and just just that crowd reaction for Ruaka really it really took me for a loop to be perfectly honest because I just did not expect it um and I hope that they're able to capitalize on this and maybe we see a bit more of BMI 2000 in the uh, in the tag division because I think as a team they both work really well together uh, as proved during the tag league um so obviously we talked about Vlad Desire a little earlier in the show, but it's not going to be them challenging uh, 7-Up at the Yokohama Arena. Instead, they called for a challenge and who should enter but the new eras. And that is, of course, Mirai and Amisori. Um, after a heavily clipped promo, um, it is decided that that is going to be our Goddesses of Stardom cha- <coughs> Championships match. At the Yokohama Arena, 7-Up against the New Eras. Now, Matt, I am extremely excited about the promise of this, um, simply because I think the New Eras are an extremely good team. I think their styles will mesh well with 7-Up. What about you? Are you excited? Do you think this is, with the matches we've already had announced for the show, um, and who can't take place, therefore... Uh, or can't take part, sorry, in the tag match. Do you feel like this is the best we can do? Because I, for one, think I'd I'd forgotten the new eras were even a team. So to have them walk out, I was like, you know what? I very briefly thought we were going to get Mariah and Suri until obviously the Suri and Chihiro Ashimoto program came to being. Um, so to have Mariah and Amisori have a chance, I'm down for that. Massively, massively down for that. Because if Seven Up put on another match like they've been doing, um. Mirai and Amisori do what I know Mirai and Amisori can do. It's going to be a hard-hitting banger. A hard-hitting banger, and I am here for it. Yeah, and I wouldn't be shocked if we see a title change here. Um, because, again, you, you, Mirai is kind of lost in the shuffle. Amisori, I think, again, I think she's kind of past the future division. So uh, I would not be shocked to see a title change here. My only concern is uh, when it comes to you and her lack of selling, it is more prevalent against Mirai and Amisori. We saw it in the Tag League. We saw it in the Triangle Derby. I don't know what it is. Again, maybe this is the whole thing. Maybe this is the whole story where then Mariah's going to come out and, like, clothesline, you know, you into next week and then put her in the double wrist lock and tap her. Maybe that's the whole story going in. I am – I am – you, please prove me wrong. I will – if if you go out there and this is a banger and you're selling and you're bumping and you're building up – these two fantastic talents, that is Mariah and Ami. Sorry, I will be the first one to come on this podcast and say that I'm wrong because you is such a fantastic talent. It's just the lack of selling that she does, especially in, when she's in the ring with Ami and Mariah. I mean, if you go on the biggest show in the history of stardom in a world championship match and she does not put over these two because of her lack of selling, it's not going to be a good look for stardom in the tag division. That is my only concern, and it is a major concern, and I am hoping that I am wrong. And I'm wrong all the time, Rob, all the time. You said we were handsome men earlier, so that's something that uh, you said that was wrong. That's right. Adam, how, how <laughs> dare you, sir? How dare you? Um, so I completely understand your misgivings. I think she's going to say, I think it's part of a story. I think Mariah and Amy Suri take the belts. My question there to you, you is, as in you personally, not you, the wrestler. Um, <laughs> you knew what I was going to say. I knew, I knew. <laughs> does Amisori go into Yokohama as the future of Stardom champion? Or does she drop the belt prior to the show to Rena? 
I think either or, because I think, I mean, if you want to, if you, if you, you can put the future stardom championship on this card, but I think it'd be a cool visual to see Ami Sori walking out with two belts. Um, I'm going to say she goes in with one belt and walks out with two. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so I'm just looking at the Cinderella bracket now. So Rena has got Mariah May in the first round. Who's Ami Sori got? Yuna Mizumori. So we could actually see Ami Sori. She beats Yuna Mizumori. She goes on to oh, she goes on to take the winner of Starlight Kid and Haruka Rumasaki. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to see if one of these is going to have a a stronger showing in the in the Cinderella tournament. But I, I don't. What think what Rob right. is doing, folks, is he's wetting your beak on the uh, racketology episode for next week. That's what he's doing. Absolutely. I'm just I'm just <laughs> plugging my hard work. Um, but what I will say is it's Hina that takes on double X and Lady C that takes on single X. Um, so I did get that wrong earlier. I apologize. What we'll do is then, with the show from the 11th, I'll just read through all the results and then we'll sort of cherry-pick the things we want to talk about. Obviously, we're going to be talking about that main event between Meltia and Mahimi, but obviously we'll cherry-pick things from the rest of the card. So, here we go. From Hashogi. Hashiogi? Hachiogi. In uh, in Tokyo from the 11th of March in the Tokyo Tamamurai mess in front of 512 people. Uh, we opened with a three-way match, um, which saw Lady C win against Yunamiz Mori and Ram Kaichao, with Ram getting disqualified. Um, in 7 minutes and 43 seconds. Uh, match 2, tag team match. Uh, the Club Venus team of Mariah May and Mina Shirakawa defeated the Oedata team of Ruwaka and Rina in 9 minutes and 18 seconds with the glamorous collection Mina. Um, six woman tag team match next. Donna Del Mondo team of my of my Sakurai, Tekla and Julia defeating the stars team of Momokogo, Kogama and Hannon with Tekla getting the pinfall with the Dokugumo death drop on Momokogo. We then had another six woman tag team match with the God's Eye team of Suri, Mirai and Amisori defeating the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Saya Ida and Hazuki with Mirai getting the pinfall with the Miramare shock on Saya Ida. Um, we then had a 10-woman tag team match with the Oedetai team of Natsukatora, Saki Kashima, Fukukin Death, Starlight Kid, and Momo Watanabe defeating the Queen's Quest team of Yutami Hayashista, Azumi Sayakamatani, uh, Hina, and Miyu Amasaki with, you guessed it, Fukukin Death getting the pinfall in 14 minutes and 27 seconds. And then in our main event, a Himika Retirement Road tag team match. Uh, My Himi got the pinfall over Meltier in 14 minutes and four seconds. Himika getting something of a revenge over Natsupoi with the running powerbomb. Um, so, Matt, what would you like to talk about on this card, good sir? Let's just talk about the last three matches, if that's okay with you. Oh, you do what you want, good sir. Oh, wow. Let's not go that far. Um, we had <laughs> talked about it earlier when you said who chops harder, Amisori or Lady C. As brutal as those chops were, the Saeeda Amisori chops were even brutal, even more brutal. And the fact that Saeeda is smaller, so she doesn't have the leverage advantage, but obviously stronger pound for pound. I think she's got the hardest hitting, like sounding chops. I, I don't know if it was just maybe the building they were in, but she was hitting Amisori with these chops. I mean, it, it, it was echoing in that building. 
Um, and I, I like the fact that we got a little Shiri versus Mayu action. And then after the match, the two of them try to attack each other with uh, chairs that you can't fold up. And then Mayu <laughs> went into the third row and then like went in hibernation with the chair over her as if say, as if saying, oh, you won't be able to find me now. It's like you literally have two of the best wrestlers in the world, male or female, uh, two of the best female wrestlers of all time. And then there's two big geeks and idiots, like in the yeah. best way possible. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and then you, and then uh, I really liked how both teams used like a lot of triple team action. I thought that was really cool. Like you saw the the triple brute scrapes from uh, Stars. Then you saw the triple submission uh, attempts from, or not submission attempts, but actual submissions getting on uh, from the God's Eye team. And then towards the end, you get towards uh, you get Mirai and Saida just tearing it down. And as brutal as Ami versus Saida was. Mariah and Saida was even worse because Saida is really throwing clotheslines and shoulder tackles, and Mariah hits her with this lariat that just just the combination of the force she hits the lariat with, and just the bump and uh, that Saida takes for Mariah to get the lariat uh, more over, uh, and then basically getting her with the mirror. Mariah shocked. I thought Saida was the MVP in this match. I mean, she's just so criminally underrated, and again, it's just she just lost in the shuffle of just this stacked stacked stardom roster. That uh, you know, maybe they, I think they they think they, they need to do something with her. Maybe you know, just give her a little bit of a push. Maybe give her some wins because I think she's just absolutely fantastic. But I really enjoyed this match. I enjoyed the violence and I enjoyed the uh, the geekiness that is Sherry versus Mayu uh, in these type of matches. But uh, this was really good. I had it three and three fourth stars. Uh, yeah, I had it three and a half. Great exhibition from all six women. I did enjoy. You were talking about Mayu and Sherry both being geeks. Um, you're forgetting that obviously Mayu tried to pick something up thinking it was part of her costume and it was part of Suri's costume. So ended up dragging Suri around the ring with it, which I thought was quite funny as well. But yes, the visual of Mayu Iwatani trying to compact herself into a small enough package to get underneath one of the chairs that doesn't fold up is just, it. it's equivalent to burglars attempting to hide under your carpet. Um, it's very much the whole kids, if I can't see you, you can't see me thing. Um, but yes, Mayu Otani continuing to uh, to make people laugh. Um, uh, I, I enjoyed this match. Um, I want to talk, obviously, about the main event, um, which, considering it only went 40 minutes, I thought they crammed a hell of a lot into this match because you've got two of the best teams in stardom. But before we get to that, we'll talk a little bit about Oedetai and Queen's Quest. Um, another really, really, really good match. I would have had Sai Kamatani go over here. Now, my only reasoning behind that is because, as we've already mentioned, Sai Kamatani has lost a lot of matches in the 15 minute and one, two or three seconds with the likes of Hazuki or Mina Shirakawa. You don't want to make your Wonder of Stardom Champion look too weak. So maybe just, you know, when it's when it's a throwaway 10-woman tag or an undercard 8-woman tag or 6-woman tag, give Sai Kamatani the victories have her pin the likes of Fuki can death who I'm sure can, you know, have one night off from winning every single multi-woman tag in the world. You know, I feel like that's, that's my only real ground with my, otherwise it was, it was barrels of fun. Yeah. Just a couple, I just want to just touch a couple points. It was very much similar to the, uh, the Queens quest cosmic angels match. We just talked about where it started with Saki versus Zumi. And then it basically boiled down to Saki versus Zumi. So we got that little preview for the next high speed matchup. And I love how stardom do, do uh, they do these in the multi tag matches. They give us little previews of 
big matches or title matches coming up. So I thought their exchanges was really good. I see your point with Saya Kamatani, but I thought the Aphrodite team, I thought Saya and Yutami had a lot of really cool double team stuff here. And I thought they looked like the stars of this match. But again, the main point I want to put out on this match was, uh, again, I think it's in Fukin Death's contract. If it's a multi-person tag match, she wins via O'Connor roll. And she just, she went two for two on this weekend. So the all in all solid match, three and a half stars. Yeah, it was, it was solid. I gave it three and a half as well. It's, it's a fun one to go and check out. But I would argue if you're going to seek out this show, the main event and the God's Eye versus Stars six woman. But this main event, for a start, we had new music for uh, Meltia. I will get used to it. And then from what I understand on the show today, Natsu the Boy had long hair and there's new music and a new dance. That's what I was tipped off to on the show today. So, I, I mean, I don't know how you improve on perfection, Rob. But let's take, we got, you know, so far stardom with the switching up of the music over the last few months. If you had Julia, and again, I still, I try, I love Julia. I think she's great. I think she's, what she's going to do for the company from, you know, this point on is going to be great growing the company, but I just can't get into her new theme. I can't. Again, Hazuki, her newer theme is pretty good. Nowhere near as good as her last theme. Maybe it'll, it'll grow on me, but it's like, yeah, new theme music, no crowns. And they didn't, and they didn't dance, did they? They did a little, uh, yeah. yeah. They that's your crutch. They boogied. That's like a, they boogied. They bopped. They did. They didn't dance. That, that's like if you're an Ultimate Warrior fan in the '80s and '90s, and he only kind of jogs to the <laughs> ring. Like you know what ring. I mean? <laughs> Again, if you had Melt here and an Ultimate Warrior reference in the same breath on your bingo card, please let me know. But like, yeah, it's like what? What's going? I'm like. Okay, hold on. I, cannot, I, had, I literally had to like kind of pause and kind of take a deep breath to get back at myself. I'm like, how do you improve on perfection? But again, I'm excited to see what the uh, the, the, the new dance with Natsupoi's new hair and the new theme is on the show that came today. But uh, yeah, the new theme, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm eventually with it, you know, because I'm a huge Meltier supporter. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm ever going to get used to Julia's uh, YouTube copyright free lounge music <laughs> theme. Um, especially just because our old theme was so damn good. Um, yeah. But yes, apparently the show from today, the 15th, um, the track that they debuted was called Tears Tale. Um, and it does come with a new dance and with a Natsupoi with new hair accessories. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how that goes when they release the uh, the 15th show on Stardom World. But this map was just, it was two of the best tag teams in Stardom being given 15 minutes to go and knock it out of the park. And again, if you like what my Himmy do, if you like the chemistry that they have, I spent, you know, it was an extension of the match that they had at Corrigan, but with Tam and Micah in it as well, being able to add fantastic sorts of supporting cast roles. Because again, for me anyway, this match still very much centered on Natsupoy and Himika. And, you know, I feel like any match on Himika's retirement road should rightly focus on Himika. Um, but I thought overall, these four women showed why they are two, if not the two best tag teams in the stardom, on the entire stardom roster map. Yeah, absolutely. This was great. They did a great job right from the outset, basically double team moves, basically showing like, hey, here are two of the best tag teams in the last, you know, handful of months, last year or so, well, uh, Meltier's only been a team for seven, eight months, but you know what I mean, you know, in the last handful of months. Mm-hmm. So it's like you would get the Meltier tandem offense, which relies on speed and, like, striking, and then you would get the, you know, the brute force of the uh, of the My Himmy offense. And then even to the point where 
Mike, or excuse me, Meltier would go for the uh, hand-holding dive, which I absolutely love. And the first time they go to it, Mike and him are like, nope, absolutely not. And they catch Mike, uh, they catch Meltier. And then very similar to the Corkin show, they uh, they just they just body press them off the apron to the floor. Uh, eventually, they build back up to it. I love it when they build up to a spot. So they build up to it. They hit the hand-holding dive. Uh, stereo German suplexes from Meltier, which was just so, like, the timing and just the visual of it with Mike and Himika being so much taller and uh, and bigger uh, than Tam and Natsupoi. I thought that was a really cool visual. But one of the co- probably the coolest spot in the match was the uh, the Tower of Doom suplex, which we've seen Mike and Himika do before, but Himika superplexing Natsupoi and Tam at the same time. I was like, holy jeez, like you're really going all out here. Um, I probably it's my little nitpick. I probably would have put Meltier over because it's a, you know it's like okay, you're finally building Natsupoi back up after losing all these losses. Um, you really don't need my Hemi to win a match here. But then they after they do the promo afterwards, which will get to them like, ah, oh, that that may that makes more sense. But uh, again, I still may, maybe would have had Meltier go over. But I love the finish with the running clothesline to the back of Natsupoi's head, and then uh, finishing off with a concussion bomb. Yeah, all in all, great match again. Um, the Corkin show, I pretty much everything on the show is something that you kind of need to see with this match. Like Rob said, the uh, just the six person tag with uh, God's Eye versus the Stars team, and then this is this is just a must see tag match. I thought this was great. I had it a solid four stars. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah, I can see what you mean. I think that's probably why they had Himika put over Natsupoi at Corican Hall um, because they knew they were announcing what they were going to announce. Um, at the end of this show, and obviously what Matt's alluding to is there was two things that Himika said during a promo. The first was um, she wanted to do something with the other members of the golden generation, in inverted commas. Now, that, to my knowledge, and I could be wrong, let me see if I can remember them, because I didn't know them down. So there are five members of the golden generation. There's Himika, Mika, Utami, Sayurida, Sayakamatani. I think those are the five. Um, and Himika wants to do something, whether it is a um, sort of scramble tag or whether it's a five-way, that's something she wants to put on the table. I think that could be something that they maybe do at the Wave show that we talked about right at the top of this episode. Um, but perhaps more excitingly than that, she has told Himika that, uh, sorry, she has told Micah that she wants to team as my Himmy once more. And oh, what team could they possibly bring out for such a historic occasion? I know. Let's reform ALK. Um, so, yes, Julia and Suri are reforming, presumably for one time only, to face off against um, my Himmy in a rematch of the Yokohama um, in spring show back in 2021. Now, I haven't watched that match, I'll be honest, since I reviewed it. And from what I remember, I didn't actually like it that much. But I think I was uh, I was in a fairly negative headspace, so that might be why. Um, so I'm going to go back and watch it before this match. But the idea of this match, where all four women have grown so much in the space of two years, I am very, very, very excited for this stop on the uh, Himika retirement roadmap. Yeah, this is something really big. And, and uh, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, I do have your book right here in front of me. Starting Living the Dream, 
uh, 10th anniversary in review. But I, I remember reading your review and you weren't for a match that should have been an absolute banger. I think it just kind of maybe the timing was off. And then I remember watching it myself and I thought it was a match that should have been excellent. And it was just good to very good. I can't imagine uh, this match not being an absolute, you know, four, four and a quarter star banger, considering the fact that Mike and Himika as individual performers and as a tag team are so much better now than they were two years ago. Uh, you have Sherry, you know, the wrestler, you know, one of the wrestlers of the year, the last two years, and Julia, basically the front runner, you know, leading the company into the future um, and then kind of teaming up. And, you know, they're going to go all out to give Himika a fantastic match. And uh, when Himika, you know, I'm not to quote the late, great Bobby, the brain Heenan and Mr. Perfect when Ric Flair won the 1992 Royal Rumble. We're not the type of people that told, said, I told you so, but I told you so. If you remember, we, we covered Himika's retirement when she made the announcement. I said, I bet you that her final tag match with uh, Micah is going to be against uh, ALK. And here it is, folks. I pulled another one out of my pocket. Honestly, the man keeps knocking them out of the park. Um, yeah, I mean, what an exciting tag match. I would have loved to have seen that on a big pay-per-view, but obviously with Julia holding the red belt, that's not really possible. So... Uh, I see that being a main event on a Corican Hall now. Obviously, that does very much depend on um, if Stardom are running a Corican Hall between now and... So they're running a Corican on... We are on April, aren't we? Uh, we're in we're in March we're in March right now, buddy. No, no, no. I'm looking on the start <laughs> schedule now. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> well, while you're looking that up, Rob, I mean, who's to say that uh, the Cinderella finals you can't do it there? I mean, that's a very good point as well. Um, so you've got the Cinderella Championship final that's on the fifteenth. You've got the Corican is actually the day before on the fourteenth. Oh. And then you've obviously got the show, um, the second round and quarterfinals. That's on the 2nd of April. So, uh, and that's obviously where Kyrie's going to be telling us who she's bringing in for uh, for Yokohama. So you've got two Corican Halls that you could easily main event with AOK versus My Himmy. Um, and then, of course, if you do want to do that at the uh, at the Cinderella tournament show, um, then that would also be very, very good as well. Either way, we are getting ALK versus My Himmy, and I am super, super, super excited about it. A um, couple of previews then as we head into um, the new week. We have got, as I've already mentioned, a show from the 15th of March, and that has got this card. So, And that's happened today. Um, so we won't be reviewing it today because it hasn't gone up on Stardom World, but we will be reviewing it next week. Three-way, uh, Yuna Mizumori, Momokogo, and Lady C. Singles match, uh, Miyawa Masaki versus Saki Kashima. We've then got a six-woman tag, uh, Yutami, Saikamatani, and Azumi taking on Hazuki, Kogama, and Hanan. Um, we've then got a rather interesting tag match. Um, Mariah May and Mina Shirakawa versus Mayu Iwatani and Saya Ida. It's not a partnership we see very often. I'm quite excited by that. Uh, Meltier versus Micah and May Sakurai. Uh, we've then got the return of Konami, um, who is going to be teaming with the rest of God's Eye, taking on the Oedetai team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, Natsukatora, and Ruaka. And then in the main event, we've got a singles match, another stop on the Himika retirement road, Julia versus Himika. Um, 
so obviously aside from that main event matt assuming it's a main event what else stands out to you on that card uh the mina and mariah may versus saya ida and mayu that'll be that'll be fun um yeah konami's return that that'll be good as well see konami and momo throw down uh but all in all though it looks like a pretty pretty solid card i'm quite intrigued by konami's return because obviously she makes an appearance every now and then usually when stardom are in hiroshima which is her which is her hometown but this show is in takamatsu which uh i don't know obviously my japanese geography is appalling um but i'd be interested to know why she's uh why she's cropping up on that show but anyway we'll uh we'll see um and then i just want to go through that yamaguchi card again i know there's a show on the 16th and we'll be going through that next week but the show from yamaguchi which of course is mayu iwatani's homecoming show we've got the following card uh three-way match we've got saya ida versus Yuna Mizumori and Lady C. We've then got a tag match with Hanan and Momo Kogo taking on Momo Watanabe and Ruwaka. Uh, Eight-woman tag team match, the Queen's Quest team of Yutami, Azumi, Saya Kamatani and Miyu Amasaki taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Natsupoi, Mina Shirakawa and Mariah May. Um, we have got an eight-woman tag in the semi-main with Konami making another appearance uh, with Julia May Sakurai, Micah and Himika taking on Shuri, Konami, Mirai, and Amisori. And then finally, in our main event, the Mayu Iwatani homecoming match, we have got um, Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, and Kagame taking on Natsuka Tora, Saki Kashima, and Starlight Kid. So we've got a few more Konami appearances. Is she one of the exes for the Cinderella tournament, Matt? Ooh, that's a possibility, but um, I think they're just going to kind of give her a string of wins and then when you're getting towards, uh, as we're building towards the five-star, you're going to need some more challengers for Julia. Uh, if, you, if you remember, I think it was like the last pay-per-view leading up towards uh, a Dream Queendom where uh, Julia decided, like, I'm going to take a German suplex on the top of my head from Konami. So I think that's what they're doing with Konami. I don't think she's going to be one of the exes. Um, I, I hope I'm wrong on that one because I would love to see her in the Cinderella tournament. But I think they're just going to kind of give her some string of wins on these multi-person tag matches. And then late spring, early summer, I see her challenging Julia for the red belt. Interesting, interesting. Um, and that brings to an end this episode. How we've gone this long when we're only talking about two shows, I don't know. But we seem to be making a habit of this, don't we, Matt? Um, next week, we will be running through the shows from Takamatsu, from Osaka Hall. Uh, sorry, for the ATC Hall in Osaka. The show from uh, Yamaguchi on the 18th and the show from Kyoto on the 19th KBS hall. Um, I'm going to tell you now that there are five shows in between now and when we next record Um, the chances of us being able to do all five shows and preview new blood premium, which is on that Saturday and preview the Cinderella tournament as well is quite slim. So uh, please forgive us if we race through some of those, uh, some of those smaller cards, um, without the analytical eye we tend to uh, provide. So we've got a lot to come next week. Obviously, next week we will be dropping our Bracketology episode as soon as I've worked out a few kinks. The brackets will be up on our Patreon for you to join in. For everyone who is a patron, you only have to uh, subscribe a dollar and you can be a part of this competition 
too. Um, in the meantime, guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We truly, truly, truly do appreciate it. We couldn't do any of this without you. If you haven't already subscribed, go and check us out wherever you get your podcasts. We are quite literally everywhere. Um, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, we would love a five-star review. It takes 30 seconds, and I cannot quite explain to you or put into words just how much it helps the podcast out and how much it helps with our exposure to a new audience. Um, you can talk to us on social media at The Stardom Cast. You can check out the website, www.thestardomcast.com. If you aren't already a patron, consider looking at... At our Patreon, obviously, we are completely revamping it on the 1st of May, and I can't wait to talk to you about that. But www.patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast to all of our patrons thank you so much you are all awesome um if you want to talk to me on twitter you can find me at at real rob goodwin matt plug your socials good sir and then sign us off yes you can find me at higher ground wrestling i remember the name of the show uh this weekend <laughs> May- mayfield pennsylvania uh if you're going drop me a line uh if you you know if you don't want to drop me a line or if you just stop by my merch table tell me you're a fan of the show I will uh, give you some Stardom Cast stickers, and uh, we can take a picture and send it to Rob at like nine o'clock, ten o'clock our time, which would be three o'clock Rob's time. So that'd be a nice <laughs> thing for him to wake up to. Absolutely. That, that uh, first thing on Sunday morning. Maybe we'll flip him the double bird. No, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> for that. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, if you're gonna be at the show, please stop by and just say hello. Uh, it'd be nice to meet y'all. But uh, yes, if you want to get a hold of me on the social media, Matt Turner OF on Twitter and or the Instagram is the best way to get a hold of me. If you want to draw me an email, that is fine as well. The Stardom Cast. 22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via the email system. Once again, folks, we cannot say thank you so much for all the fantastic support we get, uh, not only on a weekly basis, but a daily basis. There's not a day that goes by that uh, we don't get some sort of positive feedback, and it really, really means the world to us. And like I said, any suggestions, comments, or anything that you think that we can do to make this show better, just let us know. You know how to get a hold of us. Because like I always say, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all of us together. And everybody's different, everybody's special. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving, plus high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H E R O.co.